Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are unmuted. Recorded live.
place. So Hillary came to her, grabbed her by the arm very tightly, and with a very steely gaze looked into her eyes and said, uh, we really appreciate everything you do for Bill. And I mean everything. I mean, and Broderick said the clear implication was keep your mouth shut if you know what's good for you. And the others, other women said, fame them. I mean, she, she is a rapist enabler. I mean, that's what she is. Yeah. And then another one, uh, John, was Carolyn Moffat. She met Clinton at a fundraiser in 1979. She claims uh, she was invited by Bill to go back to his hotel room where Bill demanded she perform sexual acts. It is yet another example of Bill using his position to lure a woman in and then assault her. Another one was uh, Elizabeth uh, Grayson. She won the Miss American contest in 1982 and alleged Clinton forced her to have sex shortly after gaining the crown. Uh, Becky Brown uh, served as uh, Chelsea's nanny. Two people came forward to reveal that Bill Clinton made sexual advances on her while she was serving in this capacity at the governor's mansion in Arkansas. Her husband and local state trooper backed up her story. Helen uh, Dowdy claims to have been groped by Bill during a uh, family wedding while she was on the dance floor. Uh, This seems to be a popular move by Bill, as we've seen in several videos that have come to light. Uh, Christine Zerter was one of those girls. I just, uh, she uh, claims uh, Clinton groped her while she was serving as a stewardess on a campaign jet. I mean, it just goes on and on. Uh, it's disgusting. Was, uh, I mean, it really is just disgusting. Yeah. Hillary Clinton really cared about women. She would have left this man a long, long time ago, but the thing is it was expedient for her to stay with him so she could... Uh, pursue her aims of gaining power. I mean, yeah. well, she has no integrity whatsoever. I mean, no, power is really, the only woman Hillary Clinton cares about is Hillary Clinton. Yeah, she's a lesbian. You know, Yoko Ono admitted that she had an affair with uh, Hillary, uh, you know, many, many years ago, uh, John Lennon's uh, uh, widow. Uh, you know, I worked on the internet. Yeah, I worked about myself, you know. You also have uh, the Clinton Deadpool. Uh, at least 50 people connected with the Clintons uh, died mysteriously one way or another. Uh, James McDougall was one. Uh, he, uh, uh, white, he was a white partner. He died of an apparent heart attack while in solitary confinement. He was a key witness in Kistar's uh, investigation. Mary Mahoney, a former White House intern, was murdered at a Starbucks coffee shop in Georgetown. Uh, Vince Foster, former White House counselor and colleague of Hillary Clinton. Juan Brown, Secretary of Commerce and former DNC Chairman, uh, Victor Razor, uh, Paul Tully, Democratic National Committee Political Director, uh, Ed Wiley, Clinton Fundraiser. Uh, You also have Jerry Parks, uh, James Bunch, James Wilson was found dead from an apparent hanging suicide. You know, that's when somebody uh, commits suicide with a double tap in the back of the head. Uh, Kathy Ferguson, Bill Shelton. Uh, Arkansas State Trooper in finance of Kathy Ferguson, critical of the suicide willing of his fiance. He was found dead in June of a gunshot wound uh, at a suicide at the gravesite of his fiance. Uh, Gandhi Baugh, Florence Martin, Suzanne Coleman, Paula Grover, uh, Danny uh, Casaro, Paul Witcher, John Purnell Walker, Barbara White. I mean, it, it just goes on and on. And people, uh, these in totally criminally insane people that are, that are following the Clintons, I, I, it, it, it's just amazing. Uh, I also have a list of uh, 
Secret Service statements that have made a different uh, uh, all the presidents over the years, starting with Jack, uh, John and Jacqueline Kennedy, and every Democrat was just really a, a slimeball. Uh, the, the, all the Republicans were very uh, yeah, uh, good to the Secret Service, but I just want to tell you, uh, John John Kennedy, uh, he was a philander of the highest order. Uh, and then uh, Jacqueline Kennedy, she ordered the kitchen, helped to save all the leftover wine from state dinners, mix it with fresh wine, and serve them again during the White House, next White House occasion. Uh, Lyndon and uh, Lady Bird Johnson, another philander of the highest order. Uh, in addition, LBJ was accrued as the day as long. Both JFK and LBJ kept a lot of women in the White House for extramarital affairs. Uh, both had early warning systems set up and so on. Uh, then you go to uh, uh, Jimmy and uh, uh, Rosalind Carter, a complete phony, who would portray one picture of himself to the public and very different uh, would be shown. Uh, he would be shown carrying his own luggage, but the suitcases were always empty. He kept empty ones just for photo ops. He wanted people to see him as a pious and non-drinker, but he and his family drank alcohol a lot. He had disdain for the Secret Service and was very irresponsible with the football with nuclear codes. Uh, Ronald and Nancy Reagan, very good people. Uh, George and uh, uh, Laura Bush were good people. I mean, well, to the Secret Service, but they're scumballs themselves. Uh, Bill and Hillary Clinton presidency was one of one giant party, not trustworthy. He was nice mainly because he wanted uh, everyone to like him, but to him, life was just one big game and party. Everybody knows about his sexuality. She is another phony. Her personality would change. The instant cameras were near. She hated with open disdain the military and secret service. She was another who felt people were there to serve her. She was always trying to keep tabs on Bill Clinton. Al Gore, an egotistical ass who was once overheard by a secret service detail lecturing his son that he needed to do better in school or uh, he would end up, wind up like those guys pointing to the agents. Uh, Barbara Bush, uh, Barack and Michelle Obama, Clinton all over again, hates the military, looks down on the Secret Service, he is egotistical and cunning, he looks you in the eye and appears to agree with you but turns around and does the opposite, he has temper tantrums, she is a complete bitch, he basically hates everybody who is not black hates the military and looks at the Secret Service as servants. And then, uh, this is a true story. General uh, McChrystal's resignation in Obama's office, no, uh, uh, never stand in line, but he says um, he went to the Oval Office. He knew things weren't going to go well when the president accused him of not supporting in his political role as president. It's not my job to support you as a politician, Mr. President. It's my job to support you as commander-in-chief. McChrystal um, replied, and he handed Obama's resignation. Not satisfied with accepting McChrystal's resignation, the president made a cheap parting shot. I bet when I die, you'll be happy to piss on my grave. The general saluted and said, Mr. President, I always told myself after leaving the Army I would never stand in line again. (laughs) But, uh, you know, this is just some of the stuff that uh, the Clintons, I mean, the, the lowest forms of life, 300 million people in this country. I don't particularly like Trump. I mean, uh, I wish we could have come up with somebody better. But again, uh, unless you have a lot of money, uh, you're not going to get up there because otherwise they're appointed. And they're going to do everything they can to keep Hillary in there. 
they're not going to let control. They've already started the destruction of this country. Eight years, Obama's been uh, destroying this country. And this younger generation doesn't have a clue of what communism is. Communism is a criminal enterprise posing as a savior for the poor. And that's why they lure them in. Hey, we're going to give you a free education. We're going to give you free this, free that. I mean, look what happened with Obamacare. Oh, we thought we were going to get a, you know, almost free medical. And look at what it is. People are paying up the yin-yang for uh, uh, medical care. But that's how the communists get, get control of you. And if people vote Hillary in, this will no longer be the United States within a couple of years. It will probably be a Muslim country. And if that's what you want, then go ahead. You know, just follow this. But again, I don't think believe any of these polls. And if Trump gets in on on, on election day, I feel that they're going to try to pull some fast one. Uh, Hillary has bought $137 million worth of military equipment. Even the Russians want to know what she's going to do with that. I have a sneaking hunch that she's going to try to arm the Muslims and, and the, the black, uh, the radical black blacks in this country. Now, John, again, why don't you give your uh, website? Uh, www.aicfoundation.com I really, um, um, really encourage people to uh, get in contact and support you because, like I said, you're one of the true patriots. You've been hanging in there for many years. Uh, Barbara Coe for many years. Sadly, she passed away. I mean, she held the line for a long time. Terry Anderson, who had his radio show in Los Angeles, uh, uh, and, uh, you know, he lived in a uh, uh, he was a black man, and he was fighting because uh, he saw how they were uh, blacks were being displaced by illegal aliens. But these people in power don't care. All they want are the new slaves, the cheap labor. The Catholic Church is uh, one of the worst offenders bringing in all these illegals because they get a billion and a half dollars annually for refugee resettlement. And I want to thank Bobby, uh, my friend Bobby, for uh, supplying a lot of this information that I uh, got about the Secret Service and others. Uh, he's another great patriot. And um, again, remember, uh, keep the boycott up of uh, Target. Also, CNN, uh, Dasani Yogurt, definitely. Uh, this slime ball wants to bring in millions of more uh, Muslims. Uh, Starbucks for sodomites. Uh, make sure you uh, keep that up. I know uh, if you like yogurt, try Fage. I think that's the way you pronounce it, F-A-G-E. Uh, I used to get Dasani, and then when I found out about this slime ball, I ended. So Fage seems like a pretty good uh, idea. Uh, John, I hope you stick around for the end song. It's a song. Uh, it, it has nothing. This is not dedicated to my wife. This is a song I uh, picked up a couple of weeks ago, and really, uh, uh, I think it's very uh, interesting. It says a lot. In the end, don't forget go to National Writers Syndicate if you want to see a preview of the uh, next week's show. Uh, go to www.nationalwriterssyndicate.com, and don't forget this is AVR American Voice uh, Radio Network. Uh, support uh, AVR because uh, you're going to hear the truth here. You're not going to hear the crap that you're going to hear with uh, everybody else. And don't think that Fox is going to uh, give it to you either because all they are controlled opposition. Uh, but I'm going to uh, start this uh, song up. And I hope you check out my books, Posan and Dead Angel. That's P-O-Z-A-N and Dead Angel. Uh, Dead Angel is about growing up with Jerry Garcia from five years old. And Posan about my alien encounter that went on for five years. And uh, check those out. And uh, next week, 
see you then. And, John, uh, good luck and God bless you. Thank you.
go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. by mistake during World War II and suppresses your immune system and prevents blood clotting. Don't expose your body to risk when you can use a natural inflammation and pain reliever called Extra Strength Pain Relief by Apothecary Herbs. Discover the power this formula has with Salicin to enter the system in 60 seconds to work hard and relieve pain for 12 hours. Whether it's arthritis, sports injury, or flu, you can relieve aches, pain, and swelling with our Extra Strength Pain Relief Formula. Call Apothecary Herbs now, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom about where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time, I'd like to suggest Lumana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Lumana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preserved or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way 
to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com. N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Maintaining your home air conditioner is just as important as maintenance on your car. You don't know the big difference there's going to be until you've had the work done. I thought my system was working fine, but now it's better than ever. Galen Beatty did it for me, and he'll do it for you. Good servicing will not only keep your system performing well during the sweltering summers here in Houston, but it will save you money year after year. In my case, it cut my AC power consumption by 20%. Do what I did. Have Galen Beatty set up regular AC maintenance to cut your energy bill and prevent system failure at the worst time. And what's better than being comfortable and saving money? Whether you need a basic tune-up or it's time to put in a new super-efficient system, you should call BDAC, 281-222-9591. That's 281-222-9591 to schedule an AC system tune-up. BDAC and Heat. That's B-E-E-D-E-A-C and Heat.com. BDAC and Heat.com. I would like to tell you about the only truly natural dog and cat food I have found anywhere. Most all companies add a synthetic vitamin mineral pack to their dry or kibble food. Nature's logic is different. With all natural ingredients and nothing man-made added, their owner, Scott Freeman, worked for another pet food company but decided he wanted to do things right. So he started Nature's Logic. You can check them out at natureslogic.com. You will find online and local stores where you can find their products. I spent a lot of time trying to find an all-natural pet food, and Nature's Logic was the only one out there. Give your pets the best and check out naturelogic.com. Your pets will be glad you did. They also have many other natural pet products to try. Cooper's Natural Health Hour. I am Dr. Cooper, and I'm joined with my good buddy Joe Lawrence as a co-host. We are broadcasting in two separate locations. He's in the bunker, and I'm at my version of the Garden of Eden. And we also don't have the studio audience tonight. Kind of miss them. They keep things loud and crazy. But we're working on trying to have a regular studio audience, so hopefully we'll be back to that. as always, you can call in if you would like. It, the number is 1-800-932-1980. And you can also go to the website, because we know a lot of people are shy and they don't like to talk on the radio, and we get it. And if you go to the website, there is a chat room. Click on chat, sign up, 
and uh, Frank will get you a temporary password and you have a screen name and you can go on the chat room and follow the show and make comments and we do check them at breaks and uh, we'll get back to you. Uh, tonight we uh, don't have any of the technical problems we had last week. Last week Joe's end lost power in the neighborhood and I had a Skype failure on my end so we should be doing pretty good tonight. And I'm sure uh, Frank will let us know how things are sounding if there's any trouble. Are you with us, Joe? I am, Dave. Can you hear me all right? Oh, you sound great. Are you on Skype tonight? I am indeed. I've boosted the uh, amplifier and uh, I've moved the portal to uh, to the back of the bunker. Hopefully, the, uh, we're not going to get any weird transmissions tonight. But no, last week was a mess. I thought I woke up in EMC. You know, if, if you'd quit playing electrician, the neighborhood probably would have more electricity on a regular basis. I'm trying to trying to make it free for everybody, Dave. So was Santa Claus good to you? Oh, he was great. He was great. We had uh, we had a little get together over here. Had some family over. That was nice. Um, plenty of revelry over here. So. Uh, but no complaints from the neighbors, and uh, the police didn't show up. But we went uh, pretty late. I think uh, made it to the crack of dawn. Well, good. Well, I hope everybody listening had a great Christmas. Uh, as we always say, no matter what your beliefs are, it's a wonderful time. Uh, family, friends, food, football, if you like, so that's good. One of the topics that came up this week, and Joe and I were talking uh, before the show, we got lots of information. We'll probably run out of stuff. Um, I mean, run out of time before we run out of material. But one of the things that came up, and, uh, and Joe's going to give us some of his experiences on this also, is have people talk to me where they feel like they're carrying a label for a particular condition. And uh, I'm the eternal optimist, and I can't tell you I can heal anything because they won't let us say that. We can't cure anything. But I've been blessed with seeing a lot of miracles, I guess. And I've never met anybody that worked with me that gave me a chance, because I am a troubleshooting crazy man when I get on the, the roll for trying to figure something out that's wrong with you. I've never found anything that we couldn't drastically improve, and in most cases, it, I guess it disappeared because we can't say we cured it. So... What I want people to understand is don't wear that tag. Don't walk around and say, I'm a diabetic, or, or I've got this virus, or, or I've got whatever, because you don't have unless you want to have. And you had some pretty good insight on that, Joe. What were you talking about earlier? Well, yeah, you reminded me, um, you know, I, I remember studying uh, what was called creative visualization years ago. And that's basically, you know, you are what you think you are. If you focus on something negative, uh, you know, that's actually going to come to pass at some point. You know, it's going to manifest itself. So, you know, you are what you think you are. You focus on things that are positive, things that are healthy. And, uh, you know, just take that out of the conversation. Don't talk about these things and, and say exactly what you're saying. You know, I, I'm a diabetic or, man, I'm going to die. Uh, soon or something like that. Yeah, that's the worst thing you can do. You never know when you're going to go. You never know when your time is up. But, uh, you know, in the meantime, you don't have to make it any worse than it is, right? <laughs> well, right. And, and one of the things that I picked up on on a few different people this week was 
not only did they feel like they had these things and they've been labeled, but the so-called healthcare practitioners that were taking care of them were feeding into it and maybe fueling that fire because you could sell a lot of medicines, products, whatever, if they don't ever think they're going to get better. Now, my thing is, when you come to me, we're going to bring out the big guns in the beginning, and, and you might be taking more things than you want, and it may cost a little more in the beginning and a few more pills than you want to take. But we're going to knock it out of the park and make it go away. And like I said, I can't say we can cure anything, so I guess we're just going to make it disappear and we'll wonder what happened. And maybe it was a miracle. Yep. But a lot of these doctors and these people are going to, they they know a little bit about some of these products that maybe somebody like me uses, but they don't know all the abilities of some of these products and things that we can do. And so they'll, and it never fails. I'll start talking to somebody and they'll tell me they're taking a certain product and I'll say why and they'll say, well, this is what he put me on. And I'm telling them, well, you know, no disrespect to who you're going to, but this is what it's really for. And if you if you have the symptom you're telling me about, we need to do this so we can get rid of it, not not kind of nurse it along where you feel like you're going to take this stuff the rest of your life. We want to get rid of these problems. And I think that plays into what you were talking about, Joe. They get it in their head that I have this, and so they really have this. They live it. Yeah. You know, it's a, what do you call it, a uh, fatalist kind of at attitude. You know, you can't live your life worrying about what's going to happen, you know, today, tomorrow, the next day. I mean, there, you have a limited amount of control over what you do, but, you know, once you get in the outside world, I should say. But, you know, within your own head, I mean, you, you really have to be careful what you tell yourself. And uh, having that kind of attitude just really defeats life. I mean, you already have so many things stacked against you. One thing, David, when I went to you, you know, we sat down, we talked. You knew what uh, what my problems were. I was able to uh, clearly convey those to you because I knew what my problems were. You know, I'd, I've been suffering with them for a little while and pretty had, had it pretty well down. You know, I knew exactly where the pain was coming from. And, you know, just that simple approach, you know, took care of it. But the traditional medicine was just, you know, cut cut and paste <laughs> and, uh, you know, cover it up with, uh, with synthetics that were incredible. I mean, that, that was a life, that would have been a lifelong, uh, you know, situation of taking medications, you know, mind-numbing drugs, really, uh, you know, some heavy opiates and, and pain relievers and, you know, I, I won't go through all the names and stuff, but they're highly addictive and they mess up your brain. You know, you, uh, long-term, you can't think clearly. And if you already have a bad enough attitude, you know, you're giving yourself that negative self-speech, you know, add some chemicals to that. Boy, you just, you know, have a, uh, taking a shortcut there to the end. But uh got to be real careful what you put in. But more importantly, you, you got to put what you put into your mind. You know, there's a lot of negative stuff out there. But um, well, you know, hopefully... Yeah, you're exactly right. And a perfect example is two things that come to my mind. Herpes, which everybody knows about and nobody wants to talk about, and diabetes, which everybody knows about. Mm -hmm. And what I find is the people with diabetes 
are doing every bad thing if they're doing the medical protocol from the pharmaceutical side that will never make anything any better. It's it's kind of like you come up and you see the house on fire and they help you turn the flame down a little bit, but it's still burning down. It's not going to quit. And and I have seen diabetes with the, with the protocols that I use. And again, everybody's different, so I don't use the same thing on everyone or the same way on everyone, the products. But I've seen diabetes completely leave and nowhere to be found, clear up, body working right, the pancreas doing good, um, glucose being handled. I mean, just everything working well many, many times. So in my mind, there is no excuse for anybody to say, I'm a diabetic. Let's fix it. And, and of course, we always can improve diet on all of us. Uh, unfortunately, many of us grew up when the food was full of so much crap and nobody knew it. And the other one is the herpes. Now, you will be told herpes, shingles, all these things are related to chicken pox, and they stay in your nervous system and your liver, and they never go away. Well, I have not found that to be true. In fact, I have found just the opposite, that when we have treated it aggressively with things that belong in your body and help it heal, because your body wants to heal, it was made pretty good uh, when it came out of the factory. It already had a lot of stuff going for it. And so I have seen herpes completely disappear. Now, I've seen people with shingles but we didn't get a chance to treat it until it got really bad. And what a lot of people don't understand about the herpes virus and shingles and chicken pox and Epstein-Barr and all these other things is their liver issues, number one, their viruses, number two, and they can all be treated and much more common than anybody wants you to know. I would say in my experience, eight out of probably ten people have some form of that virus, but I've seen again where we treated it and it completely mysteriously went somewhere and it wasn't hanging out in their body ever again. So I can't say we cured it, but we must have saw a miracle. Again, yeah, it must have been. Now, when you say it was cured completely, was it, did it go into remission or, you know, all everything cleared up and never came back? Everything cleared up and never, ever, ever came back. But see, they don't want you to believe that. They want you to believe that it goes into this well and it hides. And and they're right about one thing. If you don't treat it, if you don't beat it down and kill it and get rid of it from your body, that the first time you're under a lot of strain and stress, people get breakouts, they get shingles, all these things come from stress and, and fatigue and all the things that happen to us in life. So we've got to work on those things, but we've got to knock the virus out. It's, you know, it's a virus, and they want to act like it's some super virus from the planet Viron, and it's not leaving. Well, it doesn't work that way. Uh, they'll tell you it does, but my experience has been very different. 
So they would say that because I didn't have a research department and, and document uh, uh, two different groups and, you know, all that stuff, that it doesn't really count. Uh, but the truth is the real world research to me is the most important. And, and what I'm seeing and what I've seen for the last 20 years is the poor people that live with herpes and things like that, when we start treating it, it cleared up. It went away and never came back. And uh, it's happened time and time again, but I went after that virus like uh, Jesse James looking for a bank to rob, and when we found it, you know, we attacked. So, and we made sure the liver was healthy and the immune system was strong, and we dealt with the stress and we let the body heal. Well, that was uh, an interesting bit there, David. Now, I always talk about my firsthand experience with you and, you know, chiropractic care, so underrated. And you know, it's looked down upon the most, and I think that's unfortunate because you know I'm somebody with actual real-world experience who's uh, seen success from going and seeing a chiropractor. When my other option would have been, you know, maybe permanent disfigurement and a lifelong addiction to uh, heavy opiates that would have affected my thinking. You mentioned something, you know, you got to get rid of that fatalist mentality and, and what you think about on a regular basis. You know, that does play, play a critical role, you know, that stress on the body, it does wear you out over time. I think we mentioned that last uh, last show or the show before where you see some of these politicians uh, who are just living a lie and, you know, saying one thing and doing another. But it really, you know, you look at their face and it takes a toll. I can imagine what their insides look like. I know Hillary had some, some medical conditions there, some problems that might have been brought on by, by a lot of stress in her day, definitely. Yeah, and, and I am not opinion. a Hillary fan. But medically, I would help her just to show her that what she doesn't understand and what she probably fought against all of her life could help her. And you're right. Um, unfortunately, the chiropractic world doesn't teach doctor of chiropractic. See, the MDs have always taught medical doctor. So the word doctor is out there. And the problem in the chiropractic profession is the schools don't teach the community doctor. So they, they don't think, like I, I've had patients sit in my office and look up on the wall where I have a few pieces of paper. Yep, and one of them was a doctor's license, and one says applied clinical nutrition certificate, which is one of my specialties. And they, they were blown away. They didn't even know we had a license. And they didn't know we were a doctor. They'd only heard the word chiropractor, and they didn't even know what that meant. And chiropractor just means doctor that works with his hands. So in, in my case, I do nutritional health care, family practice. For most all my patients, I'm their family doctor. I see them for everything. Yep. Uh, except we don't deliver babies. We could, but I'd rather not. And uh, other than that, you know, uh, they know I'm a doctor, but I've had many patients that didn't know I was a doctor and didn't know we had a license. I bet you're pretty good with babies, though, Dave, but when was the last time you handled a baby? Just just curious. You know, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, it's, it's been a couple of days since my kids were that age, and thank God they're grown. Yeah, um, yeah. But those were some interesting times. But, yeah, I don't, 
I don't care uh, to deliver babies. I don't care to work in the emergency room. Um, those are the two places that uh, doctors do some really great things, I think. Um, too many of the other ones are just writing prescriptions and covering things up. And, and that's always sad. I, I had a patient call me today, and they got a sore throat, cold, flu, chest congestion. And it's always funny. I'll say, how long has this been going on? Oh, it's been about five weeks now. And I said, and either just now calling me? And then this lady was really sweet. She said, well, you know what? Uh, I forgot about calling you. And I went to a local doctor. And the first thing he did was give me antibiotics and steroids. And I said, well, that was bad. She goes, yeah, it only took me a day or two to remember how bad all that was. And then I looked for your number and called you. So you could see what happened. They spent about five minutes with her. They put her on steroids, which works like a giant aspirin, big old giant anti-inflammatory, but it causes long-term joint degeneration. And they put her on antibiotics, which destroys all your gut flora, and very tough on the body to bounce back from that. And she was smart enough to say, no, I'm not going down that road, but this is a road that they go down with patients every day and many of them they're just doing what they were taught they don't even know how bad it is that's amazing and, and usually by the time people like this patient now called in it was already what five weeks when you said they were feeling bad that's a long time and it takes a while for your body to get back to normal once you've let it get negative for so long but i guess everybody has their own way of handling things Dave, we'll never take an antibiotic again, but, uh, you know, you're forced to pretty much at, at a lot of levels. And we mentioned last week, you know, when you go to the, uh, just to the dentist, you know, they like to put the antibiotics in. And, and I started to mention last week that my youngest had some uh, surgery on her jaw, had a tooth replaced. Um, and, you know, they, they gave her the antibiotics. I think she took them, you know, took the regular schedule. It was a low dose, but still, you know, monitoring you know, the side effects and potential uh, issues to look for. But, but you really, you're almost obligated to take, you know, some of these uh, medications that they give you. You know, you, you trust them and you hope that there's, you know, not going to be any bad um, side effects that come out of it. But, again, it, you know, depends on the, uh, on the patient and, you know, how you want to handle it. You know, some people feel comfortable with that. They say, you know, I'll, I'll you know, more power to you. But, really, you got to look at the natural uh, before you go to the... Uh, Artificial. That, that's always been my my uh, my thing in my credence, uh, my credo. You know, I always recommend that to people first before they go into the doctor to get you know a shot or surgery or stuff like that. Have you looked at all the other options? But uh, again, you, you you brought up a great point too, Joe. Uh, hmm. People almost feel obligated to let them give you those antibiotics when you go in there because they tell you they need to. Uh, I met a dentist. A while back, I had uh, cracked a tooth, and uh, it was very painful. I must have been in the popcorn or something, but I didn't know I had cracked it, but I knew it was hurting. And he told me, they went through the, the routine before they found out that I was a doctor, 
about, well, we need to do this, and we're going to have to go in and maybe do a root canal, and we're going to put you on the antibiotic. And so I asked him, I said, well, Doc, uh, tell me something. Is there bacteria already there, and you think you need to kill it, or are you in installing bacteria with your instruments when you work on me? And he kind of smiled and he said, you're right, we don't need to give you an antibiotic. And later on, uh, some of the people were getting ready to prescribe whatever they do for everyday patient. And he said, no, Dr. Krupa, uh will take care of all that on his own. You don't need to worry about it. But it, if you talk to them, you might find that they're more open and receptive and they're just going with the flow of what they've been taught. But a lot of times people are afraid to ask them a question or about the system thinking that they're going to be upset with you. And like you said, you almost feel obligated. Yeah. But people also forget that, you know, the doctor's there to serve them. You know, we, we kind of forget the roles that they play, you know. We have to kind of put our foot down and uh, say, hey, you know, okay, this and that. You know, but control the situation. Don't let the doctor just tell you what needs to happen. I mean, ask questions. If, you, if you're in that situation, ask questions. Stop him. Catch him before he uh, runs out of the room after a minute uh, or before he runs out of the room. Unfortunately, you don't have a lot of time to do that, so you really you know, have to hit them from, uh, as soon as you get in the room. But know what you need and, and tell them what you need, because they work for us, last I remember. Is that, is that still true, Dave? That's the truth. I, I had an 80-year-old woman in my office in tears, and I, I asked her what was wrong, and she said she had gone to her MD, and when I met her, the poor woman, they had her all screwed up. And so we started treating her, and she's doing really fabulous. In fact, I, I wish, well, no, she's, she's probably closer to 90 now, and she still cuts three acres of grass, takes care of everything herself, cooks for herself, cleans, does everything. But she wasn't doing so well when I met her, and they had her on a lot of medication, so she quit taking them. And she went back and told him that, and she said he pretty well chewed her out and made her feel terrible. And I had to remind her, as you so beautifully put, that we work for the patient. Right. We can tell you what we recommend. We can, we can be right as rain or wrong. It doesn't matter. The patient has the right to say, no, you're not doing that, or yes, you are. Yeah. Um, so you've, uh, you've, you've turned the uh, medical world for me anyway upside down and that's uh why i do this with you because i trust your work and you're the best doctor that i know and uh i recommend you to everybody that i know so thank you again. Well, and, and i've been very blessed to have people like you in my life uh as patients and been friends and part of my family and and that keeps you going you get to see a difference uh i'll never forget how miserable and scared and uh, pretty fed up you were when I met you, Don't and you just angry. wanted somebody to help. Yeah, I was, and, and angry too, Dave. I, I was an angry Oh, yeah, I, was, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's normal. Um, and you were way too young, as Garth Brooks would say, to feel that damn old, and you just needed somebody to listen and help. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are at that moment for a commercial break, so please hang with us, and we will be right back after this. Drop 
I would like to tell you about the only truly natural dog and cat food I have found anywhere. Most all companies add a synthetic vitamin mineral pack to their dry or kibble food. Nature's logic is different. With all natural ingredients and nothing man-made added, their owner, Scott Freeman, worked for another pet food company but decided he wanted to do things right. So he started Nature's Logic. You can check them out at natureslogic.com. You will find online and local stores where you can find their products. I spent a lot of time trying to find an all-natural pet food, and Nature's Logic was the only one out there. Give your pets the best and check out naturelogic.com. Your pets will be glad you did. They also have many other natural pet products to try. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. about where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time, I'd like to suggest Lumana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preserved or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com. N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. We are back, and 
our wild horses won't drag us away for another 20-something minutes or so. Uh, I'm joined by my good buddy and co-host, Jill Lawrence, and our producer, Frank, interjected a very good point on the Skype chat or communication area that a lot of people use things like diabetes to almost be part of a club and sit around and talk about their testing equipment and their blood sugar levels. And they do this with a lot of different so-called diseases. And instead of getting rid of them, you don't see in local newspapers and neighborhoods where they have groups that get together and talk about, just like Frank said, diabetes and like it's a club. And... Uh, Support groups. Well, the only kind of support I want to give is support kicking whatever is wrong with you out. Get rid of it. Let's fight it and win. Uh, nobody can tell you that um, you can cure anything unless you're getting it from the pharmacy. What a corrupted situation that is. But like I said, I've seen a lot of miracles, a lot of wonderful things happen that people were told couldn't happen, and as Joe's mentioned a lot of times, uh, he was told that the only way he could get fixed was to have surgery. Now, I did have a scalpel left over from one gross anatomy, but he didn't seem like he really wanted me to cut on him when I met him, and it looks like maybe they were wrong. What do you think, Joe? Oh, I thought that uh, big knife on the wall was what you used to do uh, surgery. Because you were flashing that around. I, I was confused for a bit. I'm sorry, Dave. No, I, uh, that, that was just for when the co-host misbehaves. Ah, I got you. I got you. Hey, you did mention something, uh, you know, with the diabetes. And I heard something not that long ago. And you know how they are always fudging the data and manipulating the numbers. Um, any truth to the fact that they lower the numbers for cholesterol to, uh, you know, to make that more of a disease or they could label it disease. So, you know, it gives them the, um, I guess, the, the license to uh, treat people for it. Any, any uh, truth to that? Did you hear anything about that, Dave? Yeah, extreme sadness that that is very true. What happened was years ago they came out with, I think the first one was Lipitor. And what they noticed with Lipitor was it shut the liver down so it didn't make cholesterol. Well, whether you believe in God or Mother Nature or whatever, the body making its own cholesterol on a regular basis should tell us that cholesterol is pretty important. But what they decided Instead of telling people that you're clogged arteries and things like that, that they didn't know what was wrong, they said, you know what, let's tell them clogged arteries are from high cholesterol, and we've got a drug that shuts down the liver so it can't make cholesterol, and we come up with a number of 250. So if your cholesterol isn't below 250, you need to be on all medication, and it will shut your liver down. But what they would tell you also is we need to see you every six months and do a blood test and do a workup on your liver to make sure it's okay. Well, what they were saying in doublespeak is we're beating the hell out of your liver, and so we better check on it regularly. But in the meantime, you're going to have wonderful numbers when we do a blood test. Well, that works so good, Joe, that some marketing genius after a few years said, 
Wow, look at the money we made selling Lipitor if you had 250 or higher. So they lowered it to 200. And so now if your blood chemistry shows the, the level of cholesterol at 200, it flags it as red and you're told your cholesterol is a little high and we need to put you on a medication. Well, the truth is, first off, the brain uses cholesterol more than any other part of the body. Every cell in your body uses cholesterol. Every hormone is made with cholesterol. When the, sh when the sun shines on your skin, it converts um, cholesterol to vitamin D. So what we have here is a failure to tell the truth or not understand the truth. I'm not sure which. I'm hoping that they don't understand. And as we age, what they found out, that the lower your cholesterol, the less your longevity. You die younger. And when they put people on these cholesterol medicines and they lower the cholesterol to what I consider dangerous levels when it's in the below 200s or below 200, we see dementia, Parkinson's, um, all kinds of Alzheimer's and different things happening. And in my personal opinion, and I'm saying the word opinion, everybody, from the experience that I've seen, but it's still opinion, is that when you deprive the body of the cholesterol, the liver makes 80% and we get 20% on our diet if we eat right, that the brain is starved of the cholesterol and we have created a generation of people with all these brain disorders, dementias, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, whatever you want to call them, we've probably created all that by starving the brain of the cholesterol. And what I've also seen in a lot of people, and it happened in my own family, is they took the cholesterol medicine uh, in my own family against my recommendation and ended up dying of cancer. And I've seen that a lot where cancer seems to show up when you take cholesterol out of the picture. So unfortunately, Joe, a very, very true rumor, and it's big business, and I'm sure they would debate it drastically because they're, they're trying to sell it, but the truth is we know that cholesterol is important, and the liver makes 80%. That ought to tell us something. It's amazing they can get away with that. And, you know, we try to deal with things natural. We always recommend a natural solution to everything. And, again, I strongly urge any listener, you know, look for a holistic approach to solving your health problems, whatever they might be. It's never too late. To, to get in and start getting treatment, but you know your body was designed um, to to overcome, and if you give it the right nourishment, okay, physically, you're going to help yourself a lot. But also, like Dave mentioned earlier, you know you got to shake that fatalist mentality. Your your thinking is critical, and it's funny because everything in this world it seems like it's aligned against, and it is attacking, and ultimately that last you know stronghold is your mind you know it's your thinking what do you think about what do you focus on during the day are you a negative person or are you a positive 
optimistic person like yourself, Dave. You, know, you, you stay focused on these things. It's, it's critical for your health. And, you know, those two things in combination will definitely improve your overall health situation. Strongly. Well, yeah, and, and I tell people all the time, if, if there's something wrong with you, you're going to know something's wrong. You may not know specifically what, but that's when you want some crazy guy like me who's going to troubleshoot and never give up and the eternal optimist. We're going to find a way to get rid of whatever's going on or we're going to fight it tooth and nail. I don't care what it is. Uh, we've been blessed with a lot of tools on this earth and there's nothing at that pharmacy that you're deficient in. And, and other than sometimes needing a pain medicine while we figure out what's wrong so you don't suffer or something in the emergency room to save your life, other than that, most of that stuff is more harmful. And as our good friend Richard would say, Joe, it's not a side effect, it's a direct effect. And he's really right. Uh, a lot of times people will say, well, I can't take that medication. I'm allergic. And I'll say, no, you're not allergic. Your body is sensitive, and it's telling you this is bad for me. So when you go the natural, holistic, um, whatever you want to call it, approach, you're using the tools that we know work, and they're on this earth for that reason. And I was at a seminar many years ago, and there was a gentleman named Mark Anderson doing the talking. And he wasn't a doctor, but he had the knowledge of many doctors. And he said, how many times are people on their hands and knees praying for some miracle drug cure to come to them, and that God's got to be looking down and saying, I already gave it to you. But you went to the pharmacy. You're not looking for it. And that's probably true, wouldn't you think, Joe? Well, absolutely. And, you know, they uh, maybe don't know enough about it to, because uh, that's, that's an awful leap of faith, you know. I mean, you're, you're trusting in, in something that you can't put your fingers on, you can't touch, you know. I mean, God, you, you can't see God. You can see his miraculous workings if you trust him. But, you know, a lot of people don't have that uh level of faith to, to make that leap and uh, unfortunately they choose the uh, the easy route, call it the easy route because that's what most people are conditioned to believe you know, that the medical system is there and it's in place and I still believe that there are a lot of people in that system that are there to help you but their hands are tied they can only do so much and you know, they have an agenda to follow and unfortunately it's money. Now hopefully you find a good doctor like yourself and you mentioned Richard's name and you know what, Richard, thank you very much, because he was the one that introduced me to you, uh, Dave. You remember that a long time ago. So um, thanks to Richard, uh, he got me to where I am today. And I, I'll give you a call sometime this week, Rich. Sorry I've been kind of busy and whatnot with the holidays. But love you to death, brother. Take take care. We'll, we'll be talking to you soon. But, uh, Dave, you, you've mentioned so many things tonight. We haven't even touched on everything else we wanted to go to. You know, there's so much going on. It's, uh, it's easy to get sidetracked, but... Well, that's yeah. true, and I wanted to mention something. You heard earlier there was a commercial for a BDAC and heating, and I know these guys personally. They're, they're really good friends. Uh, it's Galen Beatty, the owner of the company, and he works with another good friend of mine, Peter Bergman. And this time of the year, 
it's not as much work as in the midsummer when it's hot, 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 and you can fry eggs on the sidewalk in Houston. But what they're doing this time of year is a lot of the addicts today have that flexible ductwork. And instead of paying somebody to try to clean all that and get after a while, it's just hopeless. They're coming in and doing a service, uh, putting in uh, new ductwork. They get rid of all, if there's any mold or whatever might be in those nasty ducts, and that'll improve your breathing and your health in your home an awful lot. And you heard the commercial earlier at break, but you can call Galen Beattie at 281-222-9591, and him and Peter Bergman, I always say they're my two favorite copper thieves, because I know they're over there stealing my copper. They can't be working on the AC unit that quick. But they're great guys, do a good job, and this time of year they got a special... Uh, they, they said that if you contact them, they'll help you with change that nasty old flexible ductwork in the attics and uh, get your house where you can breathe a little better. Yeah, and they say the uh, air in your home is, uh, what, five to ten times more concentrated and uh, polluted than the air outside. So it is important you get that taken care of and change your filter out pretty regularly, too. Now, with this hot weather in Houston, Dave, how, how are you holding out over there? Your allergies going nuts, too? Um, it's a little bit off and on for everybody. I've seen a lot of people with sinus infections and allergies and stuff going on, and they're not really sure what's happening. But we have had some weird weather. We had some days where it was below freezing, and then uh, and I'm sure colder where you're at and colder where Frank's at up there in Oregon. But uh, then we're back to, like right now, it's 74.1 degrees outside. So... Uh, Weather is kind of a, you know, and, and Houston doesn't always get too much cold. We'll get a few snaps, and then it'll go away. But that wet cold was really miserable. You'd think you were in Alaska when it hits. Yeah. Now, is this a time to uh, you know, really bolster your immune system? Because there's a lot of sick people out there. Uh, I know we recommended a couple of things. Any uh, last-minute recommendations, Dave, for uh, keeping the immune system healthy as we go through the winter season here in this uh in the deep south yeah well my favorite thing for anybody anywhere is immuplex by standard process uh it, it's just uh, wonderful frank said we're having climate change yeah al, al gore will be here any minute um mm -hmm. according to my scientist friends that come in that that's that's about a political subject as it can be and no truth at all but uh, anyway yeah it's our, our climate change it yeah, changes we daily. Get, <laughs> we didn't even get to but, the uh, the climate change part. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. It is pretty bad. Well, you know, Al Gore would not lie to us. That's that's all we have to know. He, you know, he would not have any political motives, and he wants our best, and he's looking out for our help. So yeah, and yeah, I and I do remember the president of the United States um, that is there right now. As he flies off on Air Force One to go play golf with Tiger Woods for $20 million on a four-day jaunt, and the comforts beyond belief, he said, and I quote, we can't have our AC units at 72 all year round and expect the rest of the world to be okay with that. Well, many parts of the rest of the world don't even have AC units, but if they could afford it, and they wanted to run it at that and improve their health and their family, they should be able to do that. The, the thing is in this world, 
you always want to do better for your family and your family's health. And one of the things that does make a difference is, like you said, Joe, a good filter, a good cooling and heating system, and uh, people stay a lot healthier that way. You have to filter your air, your water, your news, and filter your own thoughts, just like you'd mentioned earlier on, Dave. And I think that's a key point tonight that uh, I like to come back to because that is the that is the last bit of real estate that you will own in this world is your thinking. And uh, you got to do everything you can to protect it. And you have all the cards stacked against you. Everything is uh, is pretty bad off. Uh, I, I was reading something on GMOs uh, in South Korea. And you know, over there, if it's um, a GMO product, but it's not like one of the top five, I'm sorry, top three uh, of the ingredients, they don't have to list it. But those, uh, I give the South Koreans a lot of credit. They uh, are leading the charge on, you know, getting the GMO labeling on all the products. And, uh, you know, everybody around the world should be highly concerned about that. I mean, not only do you have that, you know, I mean, that's something that they're intentionally putting into the food. But you look at Fukushima, we've been talking about that a lot. And, folks, it is pretty bad out there. I'm watching the documentary. I'm hoping to finish it here about they're going into the actual uh, core meltdown. But, uh, you know, this, the entire West Coast, you know, you guys are on red alert. There's been almost a 500% increase in the amount of radiation that is in the water. So that's in the food, okay? That's an accident, of course, but it's not going to go away anytime soon. So you got to be really careful about what you're eating out of the, out of the water right now. It is ugh, disastrous. Well, Frank brought up a good point. Uh, last week, and I, and I didn't notice it because we had so many other problems going on with our communication, but the Russians at Chernobyl figured out how to seal all that off and make it very safe, and everything's coming back. Uh, I watched one of the Travel Channel shows for the, I think it was uh, Andrew, uh, Andrew Zimmerman for the um, Bizarre Foods or something, and he was back there. Uh, checking everything out, and it was very safe, you know, to go. And so there's something that the Russians know that nobody else knows. I don't think so. And that was Frank's point last week that seems like the technology's there, and if the leaks aren't being fixed, why not? Why can the Russians do it and, and the Japanese not? You know the Japanese have great technology. Yes, they do. And, you know, God love them. But the people, the first responders that went in there, they knew their lives were, you know, at risk doing that. But, uh, you know, they, they cared, I guess, about the next person in line. And they uh, put, their, put their lives on the line and went in there and did what they could. What they could. Fortunately, a lot of them did get sick. Uh, you know, it's been five years now. Most, not most, but a lot of them have passed away. And some of them are suffering some serious uh, consequences. The problem with the Fukushima is that it's in the in the ocean, and the currents underneath the water are just you know all over the place. If, if you if you look at the map, I mean there's not a part of um, the West Coast and as far down all the way down to uh, South America that's that's not affected. And still, you know the currents are moving that water, and it's still leaking. And was it 300 tons of radioactive waste a day are leaking out, and that's just a tragedy so you got to be really careful all the odds are stacked against this but you just if you make the right decisions along the way and if you're empowered with a little bit of knowledge hopefully you can make the right decisions along the way wouldn't you agree dave well yeah and uh you know right now you're not going to know unless your fish is glowing in the dark when you lay it on the, the skillet 
you really don't know, and you're at the mercy of those that are buying that stuff and selling it and, and putting it in the stores. So we got to hope that they got the technology and they can clean these things up. Uh, because if, if you shouldn't have a nuclear reactor that's exposed to the ocean if you can't make sure that you can keep it contained and sealed and safe. And uh, something tells me they can, and why they didn't, I don't know. I don't even want to try to speculate. But we need to do better. Uh, if, I, if I want my fish pre-radiated, um, I, I'll know where to go, but I don't want that kind of food. Uh, it's, it's like everybody's getting microwave food, whether you like it or not, and that's a bad thing. And a lot of people want to eat healthy, and that deep, cold water fish is a great thing, but if the ocean's being contaminated, they need to deal with that. Yeah. And you mentioned something. You know the deep water uh, horizon rig out in the Gulf Coast? They knew they used faulty products where they cut corners to save costs. And as I'm doing more research and reading on the Fukushima event, it's starting to line up that way too, Dave. They knew they were, you know, running uh, substandard equipment, and there was a catastrophe just catastrophe just waiting to happen, and it happened. And now, well, what are you going to do? It's just a cleanup, but it's going to be forever, and it's not going away anytime soon. Now, I said a 500% increase, and it's actually only a 300% increase, so... Spare me on the numbers, uh, 300, 300 to 500% increase. And still, that's a lot of radiation coming in. But uh, be careful out there, people on the West Coast. And I'm sure you're already aware of it. And they do have a good system in place. But, uh, you know, people that are further inland that are getting fish or seafood, you got to check where it's coming from because uh, this is not a game anymore. It's just serious stuff, real serious stuff. How are we doing on time, Dave? we got another minute to uh, mention it uh, about the NDAA they passed. Yeah, we're, you know, yeah we're, we're still doing good. Uh, I'm okay. convinced that the earth will deal with all this stuff in its own way, even if it has to get rid of us to do it. So yeah. uh, I'm convinced that the earth can handle these things, but man needs to help out and make sure these kind of things can be dealt with after the fact. And, and like I said, if you make a nuclear reactor, one of the conditions ought to be you better be sure that you can contain it. Everything should be thought about before you're ever allowed to bring something like that online because the, maybe the, the odds are that it doesn't happen, but when it does, it's a much more catastrophic event, and like you said, it's affecting lots and lots of the West Coast. Sure, and you remember the, uh, the Firestone tires. They knew that they were faulty but uh, they let them, you know, go out uh, to, the, to the public anyway because they looked at it and they looked at the numbers and the uh, lawyers told them, hey, it's easier to pay off the lawsuits than it is to, you know, bring back all the tires and do it right. And unfortunately, now with this NDAA, what, Countering Disinformation and Propaganda Act, you know, little guys like us and everybody that's trying to talk about these things, you know, we're labeled as, what, uh, fake news or alt news, and you know, they're, they're coming down. They're, you know, going to set up a little system within the government. Uh, or they're basically calling it the uh, information, uh, whatever, misinformation society, something, again, just to monitor, you know, what people are talking about, and, again, to suppress the truth. And I think that's been part of the problem because uh, with Fukushima, 
they actually pass some legislation. I know in, in Canada, at least, that people are not allowed to talk about the, uh, the Fukushima plant because of, you know, the corporations that are tied to this. And well, yeah, there's a lot of money at stake. And yeah. like you said, these guys can calculate cost of life versus lawsuit, and they'll, they'll go whatever route's cheapest. And you got to hope, you know, I still believe that there's more good people in this world than bad. In fact, I think there's a lot more good than bad. And hopefully we reach out to the good people and help them make better decisions. And if we're reaching out and somebody from one of them places hears us, maybe they'll do the right thing. And, you know, people try to say we're alternative radio, alternative news, alternative health. But we're really the original way. We were the ones around the longest. And if anybody's the alternative, it's the mainstream media and the pharmaceutical industry people now because they're the journey come lately's. Uh, communication like we're doing, healthcare like we do, it's been around a long, long time. Right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're getting close to that time of the evening, and we're, Joe and I like to always tell you how much we appreciate being a part of your healthcare. Frank is our host and owner of the station, and if you have any questions, please call in at any time, and you can donate if you like. May God bless you with health and happiness. Always. And please don't be so worried about tomorrow that you forget to live today. God bless you all. And uh, Joe, thanks again. Frank, thank yeah. you. And you guys have a great evening. Good night. Seems the love I've known has always been the most destructive kind. Guess that's why now I feel so old before my time. Yesterday, when I was young, the taste of life was sweet as rain upon my tongue. I teased at life as if it were a foolish game. The way the evening breeze may tease a candle flame. The thousand dreams I dreamed Splendid things I planned I always built to last On weekend shifting sand I live by night And shun the naked light of day And only now I see How the years ran away Yesterday When I was young The political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement.
these are men, women, and children who once had homes, now in the street. They all need what you need. First aid, beds, food, clothing, etc. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Or donate online by going to Wichita Homeless. farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. People realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
Good evening, and welcome to America Betrayed. I'm your host, John Clark, and you're listening to us on AVR, American Voice Radio Network. I started my show uh, back in 2008, and one of my uh, first guests is going to be uh, my guest tonight. Uh, he blew, uh, blew, first one to blow the whistle on this slime ball, uh, Obama. Uh, I mean, what, what a joke. Uh, I never got along with Clint that well. Clint Eastwood, uh, I studied with the same acting coach, and knew Clint, and never really got along with him. But uh, he said this will probably be the biggest uh, fraud ever perpetrated on the American public, and he's absolutely right. Uh, just the latest thing is uh, their vacations cost us $85 million. $85 million. Now, I... Like I said, I started the show in 2008. Uh, I had worked in Congress for a number of years. Uh, I was traveling quite a bit. I was doing documentary films uh, on the, uh, the problem with illegal immigration. And I was really getting sick and tired of uh, the, the air, rude people, the airports. Uh, uh, it wasn't uh, uh, fun anymore. I thought, well, I started doing the radio show, uh, reach new people, uh, get the word out and I don't have to shave or wear clothes. So uh, that's what happened. But then I got uh, very ill. My, uh, my doctors felt that there was a very good chance I'd been poisoned, um, almost like my friend Ted Gunderson said he used to be head of the FBI office in Los Angeles. He became a whistleblower, and also uh, Sonny Bono, who was assassinated. But I came back uh, a couple of months ago because there were certain things that I know about, that I know for facts, uh, that I wanted to get out before anything else happens. Uh, the first one I came out with was Jimmy Hoffa, what they did with him. Uh, they ground him up on a pig farm up, up in northern Michigan. FBI knows all about it. It's a bunch of crap. Uh, the mafia and the CIA and all the government have been working together since World War II. Uh, the second one was uh, D.B. Cooper, the skyjacker. I uh, named who he was. His name was Walter Pica. He was caught by the FBI three months after he jumped, and he was turned into an assassin. You know, prior to jumping, he was a hitman for the Teamsters. He put people in cement. He passed away about uh, about two years ago now. Uh, from him, uh, I got uh, not directly from him, but from his best friend, because uh, I told him I never wanted him to know that I was uh, working on it. Uh, I got from him that uh, who killed my cousin Marilyn Monroe. Uh, that was uh, Joe Kennedy who gave the order, and it was the mafia who carried it out. She was going to expose JFK and RFK. Also, uh, Sonny Bono. Sonny Bono uh, was. I, I don't have all the evidence, but everything points to the Clinton Bush crime families that uh, did uh, uh, Sonny in. The Clinton Bush crime families controlled the White House for the last 40 years plus. Now, back in 2008, uh, they, Hillary was supposed to be president, but they shoved her aside. They wanted to put a black man in there because if you attack him, you're, you're a racist. Well, you see what they put in there. Uh, and 95% of blacks voted for him because they thought he was black. Well, that's one of the worst people we could have put in there. I was, used to be a Democrat before I went to Washington, D.C., because my parents were. I, they were always for the working class uh, people out there that uh, cared about people. And then after working in D.C. for a while, I go, wait a minute, uh, these aren't uh, the people that I uh, knew. Uh, these are communists, and that's exactly what the Democratic Party is. They become communists. But they're being used because the powers that be uh, that want to run the world want a communist-type government. 
and they're using blacks and Muslims to destroy the white race. That's what we're talking about tonight, this organization of the United States, not only the United States, but the rest of the world, Europe, is finally catching on. I hope it's not too late. And also white genocide. They have to get the white race out of the way because they aren't going to buy this crap. They know that communism is the highest form of uh, slavery there is, and they just don't get it. Uh, they're being used, and once they're being used and abused, they're going to be thrown away. And I'll say after they've got uh, their work done. Also, if you'd like to um, uh, read about our show each week that's coming up, go to rationalwritersyndicate.com, www.writersyndicate.com. Also, if you'd like to call in, say hey you or screw you, whatever you want to say, 800-932-1980. Again, 800-932-1980. Like I said, my guest uh, tonight he was one of my first guests back in 2008, and he gave him all this information about Obama, what a fraud he was, but nobody would listen to him. Uh, and you see that uh, now Sheriff Arpaio is uh, finally, after collecting $3 million, is saying, yeah, they, they, uh, Phil Berg was right. But uh, Phil has done a lot of uh, things over the years, uh, pro bono work. Uh, he was the Deputy Attorney General of uh, Pennsylvania from 72 to 80. And uh, like I said, I think he well, he, I know he was a Democrat, but I think he's a little fed up with uh, all this crap, especially Hillary, this uh, piece of crap, and, uh, and, and the rest of them. They're all bad. I mean, uh, they're a criminal enterprise. That's why they're pushing against Trump so bad. Uh, I don't agree, uh, like, particularly like Trump. I wish there was somebody else, but uh, hey, uh, there's no way I'm going to vote for any of the Bushes or the Clintons or. Uh, anybody else? Paul Ryan's a convert of Islam. Uh, also, the head of the CIA, a convert to Islam. Uh, we are being run by a Muslim government now. Trump is coming in. He's got his work cut out. Now they're going to put every stumbling block in front of him, and uh, if he can get over these hurdles, you know maybe. But he's only got four years. And what they're going to do? They're trying to get rid of the electoral college because they can outvote us. By illegal aliens. Look what happened with Hillary Clinton. She got three million extra votes. All came from California because Jerry Brown signed a bill that would give uh, illegals the right to vote for uh, president. I hope Trump, when he gets in, says uh, let's make it a federal crime and uh, go from there. But uh, let's go over to Phil Berg and, and find out what's uh, up to Phil these days. Like I said, he was the first one to point out that what a fraud this uh, piece of crap in the, in the White House, soon to be out of the White House, I hope. Uh, Phil, good evening. My pleasure to be on with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I was your uh, one of your first. And yeah, I blew the whistle back in 2008, but no one wanted to listen, and the courts protected him. And back in 2008, I called Obama a fraud, a phony, a liar, and an imposter. And I still say it today. And now Sheriff Ohio, I didn't know how much money he raised, um, but uh, he just had some studies done, which confirms that the. Uh, he said he's just looking at the birth certificate. Uh, the birth certificate's a fraud. <clears throat> I said the birth certificate was a fraud back in 2008 because um, it just, it was. And then um, in 2011, if you recall, when um, uh, Trump was after him to produce a birth certificate, then he produces a birth certificate. And the day he produced it, I looked at it and I said it's a phony because that one, which had been actually produced earlier, said uh, the first question on there is name the father's race well for the father's race they put down um, um, 
and go to African. Well, guess what? In in 1961, no one was African. You know, you were either um, black or Negro. So there was a fraud. They they couldn't. They're so incompetent. They couldn't even forge a good birth certificate. You know, and uh, I'm glad that you know I'm still pursuing it. I'm still registered a Democrat because it gives me more credibility. I did switch to Republican to vote for Trump in the uh, primary. And I'm glad, I think, you know, first off, Hillary belongs in jail, okay? And uh, so does Obama. Um, even more so for the emails, they belong in jail for the um, Benghazi. I think Benghazi was outrageous. Well, you know, if this uh, is a time of war, which it is, we are at war with uh, Islam, with the, the Muslims. Uh, in time of war, uh, if a person did half or a quarter of what Obama and Hillary done, uh, they wouldn't be in prison. They would be in front of a firing squad. Yeah, and right. I, I'm just amazed that they had all the mechanism in place to keep them there, even though so many knew. Well, like I said, the head of the CIA is a, a Muslim convert. So is uh, Paul Ryan, another piece of crap. Uh, also, look at this, Mitch McConnell. Uh, I just don't understand why uh, uh, Trump would appoint Cho, uh, McConnell's wife, uh, to some cabinet post. Uh, she's a piece of crap also. Uh, they're a criminal enterprise, Phil. Uh, this whole Congress, they're making millions of dollars. Uh, they tried to bring in Jeb Bush. Uh, that didn't work. The Hillary didn't work. And uh, like I said, they're going to push to get rid of the Electoral College because if there was no Electoral College this uh, time, uh, she would be in the White House because of the well, votes. That's, the but but that, that's not going to work because it's going to need a constitutional amendment, and I don't think they'll get that through. I really don't think so. I think um, the key right now, in my opinion, is Trump has to come forth and do the things he said he's going to do to keep his base strong, and, and I think I think he'll do it. Um, like I say, I'm a lifelong Democrat, but as far as I'm concerned, the Democratic Party has to wake up because it's absurd what's going on. You know, I mean, yeah, the other thing that I've seen uh, worldwide is uh, all these Muslims are only going into uh, you know Western civil, uh, civilized countries. Uh, I don't feel that Muslims belong in civilized countries uh, uh, because of their religion. Uh, you know, their religion says that uh, either to convert a infidel, and the other choice is to kill them if they won't convert. Now, uh, you know, some, if somebody tells me that, is you know, kiss my, you know what, and get the hell out of here. Uh, do you agree with that, Phil? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, you know, I, if you don't like the United States, get out of here. This burning the flag, I think you're going to see Trump to do something like that. Even though it's a First Amendment right, I think he can do something about it. You know, if you don't like this country, get out of here. The American flag, how about the college in New Hampshire who took down the American flag? I mean, what kind of crap is going on right now? And uh, the, the education, I'm a Democrat, but... I keep putting out things. Democrats, you better wake up. This country's going downhill fast. I, I believe that Obama, from day one, has been out to hurt this country. George, the word is George Soros brought him in and Hillary in back in 2007, 2008, and then he decided he could do more damage with Obama by putting him in. Um, and that's why I think um, Obama won back at that time. Obama's been a disgrace. I mean, remember what he did in 2009 after he was sworn in. He went on his apology tour to the Arab nations 
Now, granted, the United States isn't perfect, but you don't go out apologizing to the acts of the United States. And on that trip, he went to different Arab nations, but he did not stop in Israel. The, word, the, the writing was on the wall about Israel. And what they did this past week by not vetoing this um, resolution in the United States, United Nations, is a total disgrace. And then you have Curry, who sold out the Vietnam War. Now he sells out Israel, you know, coming up with the plan. He hasn't done anything. And, and another thing, other than Benghazi and the email, Obama is responsible, and I say this in my book, and I think you're aware, I wrote a book, everyone, called Obama Scare. Obama Scare, Obamacare with a S in the middle. Obama Scare, it's available on Amazon, or you can get my website, Obama Crimes. And in my book, <clears throat> I mentioned the red line. I mean, people just pass over this. Obama said a red line in Syria. He said if, if Assad uses gas, nerve gas, to kill his people, I will come forth and do something. Assad used nerve gas. And then remember what Obama did? Obama, he said, oh, I didn't set the red line. Someone else did. Well, right after that, what happened? Putin moves into Crimea. Putin goes into um, Ukraine. The Russian missiles go into Ukraine. The Russian missiles shut down that, shut down that plane. And we're just like, we're like patsies, and China's taking over the China Sea, they're building this, uh, the islands, they're saying this, this uh, uh, territory. I mean, because, and then I loved last week when um, Obama said he's going to um, do something to Russia because they were hacking. Everyone's just laughing at o Obama. I mean, he's a disgrace. You know, yeah, he, it, he, was, uh, it was, as far as I know, it was WikiLeaks that did uh, uh, that, and actually it was people in the Democratic Party uh, uh, the DNC that gave a lot of information to uh, uh, WikiLeaks uh, wasn't uh, coming from the Russians. Uh, also, okay, people, yeah, if you like I, to call, I believe that, yes. If you like to call in people, the number is 800-932-1980. Uh, you're listening to America Betrayed on the American Voice Radio Network. And uh, we have a guest, uh, Phil Berg, uh, a great man from uh, uh, Pennsylvania. He was Deputy Attorney uh, uh, General of Pennsylvania. And we're talking about uh, this fraud uh, uh, Obama, and like I said, uh, Trump has, only has four years to correct 40 years plus of what the Bushes and the Clintons have done to this country. And uh, they, they should be all put in front of a firing squad, every single one of them. They are enemy combatants, especially Obama. All this money that he gave to Iran, and then he does this to Israel. Israel's got a little speck of land amongst all these uh, uh, Muslim countries. And uh, they don't want the land. They just want to get rid of uh, uh, Israel, period. Right. That, that, that's all. They, they don't want a two-state thing. They want one state. They want a Palestine state. They want Israel out of the map. And how about the deal, the bad deal with Cuba? What did we get out of Cuba? We got nothing. They're still holding fugitives. And what did we get out of, what did we get out of Iran? Iran was a disgrace. You know? I know. Oh, I was wondering. I wonder, I'll be right back with you. One second. Okay, I wanted to get uh, Frank, uh, Frank Stefan. Frank, are you there? I am. Yeah, Frank, uh, you've heard us uh, talking about this, and we've talked about it before, especially with this Obama yeah, that's been going on for so many years. And I know there are a lot of people uh, that are against uh, Jews, uh, saying it's all the Jews' fault. It's the bad Jews, yes, uh, the bad Jews, but uh, there's so many good Jews, like uh, not all. All blacks are niggers. Um, and unfortunately. Listen, there's, there's bad people in every profession and every religion, but overall, um, the Jewish people in Israel have done great things. 
United States. Um, Obama has just been against them for eight years, and now uh, Netanyahu from Israel says the United States was definitely involved in this resolution, and they're saying not. They pushed it. But even if they didn't push it, they should have abstained from this thing. And it's really nonsense what's going on. And how about what, what happened with Iran? That's the worst deal in the world. They said Frank, how do you feel about that? Frank, Frank, how do you feel about that? Well, you know, I, I mean, I have mixed feelings about Israel. I got nothing particularly against Israel, but what they're doing to the Palestinians, regardless of the status of the land, is wrong. Just the way they're being treated is wrong, because if it was wrong for the South Africans, then it's wrong for them, too. Uh, but what what Obama did, uh, I mean, to abstain like that is is definitely a kick in the teeth to the state of Israel, and it's also a kick in the teeth to Donald Trump and all the people that voted for him. Because, you know, we expect, whether we like it or not, some people don't and some people do, but whether we like it or not, the United States is an ally of, of Israel. And, uh, you know, this is a, uh, you know, it, it's just a kick, it's just a dirty, nasty little petty trick that Obama's doing on his way out is the way I look at it. I mean, I don't know how damaging it's going to be because he's not going to be in there that much longer. Yeah, but Frank, no, and, and Frank I, I think it's going to be it's damaging because the resolution, it doesn't just say, it, it says go back to the land before uh, 1967, which is like a nine-mile stretch of land, and it, it hurts in the negotiation, the negotiations for a peace. Right now they're saying, you know, to say, you know, there's nothing there. To, a lot less is there for negotiations. But it's a disgrace. And you know what I'm worried about, both of you? I'm worried about what else Obama's going to do in the next four weeks. Because look what he did the other day. He passed some resolution, which I think they could overturn. You can't have drilling in the Arctic. You can't have drilling in the Atlantic Ocean. He's doing. Th he shouldn't be doing anything right now. I mean, but he's doing everything in his power mm to bring about things like he's pardoning tons of people, um, and, and he's just going to do everything in his power to try to make it worse for Trump. But more important, as you said, it's not just Trump. It's for the uh, millions of people that voted for Trump and put him into office. I mean, you, when you have Dershowitz and you have uh, Schumer uh, against this thing, you know, but Obama doesn't care. He's over in Hawaii. And I think you mentioned at the beginning of the show what they spent $85 million on vacation. Um, I read something recently that uh, when Bush was in, um, Mrs. Bush, she had uh, one staff member, and I believe um, Michelle's had 22 or 24 staff members. I mean, they've just taken us down the, ho down the uh, path of destruction. They've done whatever they've wanted. Uh, when they go on trips, they take all their friends, and they just uh, really milked our country. Well, what I really don't get is, uh, you know, the Palestinians offer a, a month's wages to anybody that will kill a Jew, and yet you're supposed to negotiate with a person like that. I, you know, I don't get it. There's, there's, uh, I don't know. Well, they, the Palestinians, they, they raise kids, their, their children are raised to hate Jewish people and to kill them and to do away with Israel. So how do you, how do you negotiate with someone like that? You can't. I mean, and then, you know, you know, we we also have to look at the fact that you know people can say all oh, those people didn't exist. Well, they did exist, and they did live there, and it was called Palestine, and they are Palestinians. 
Now, I don't know how you would feel if somebody just marched in and said, oh, by the way, uh, 2,000 years ago we lived here and now we're back and the U.N. says you got to get the hell out and uh, we're going to put you in uh, slums and we're going to build a wall and we're going to be the boss of you now. Uh, I wonder how Americans would feel about an invader doing that. I don't think they'd be much nicer than the Palestinians are. Yeah, but you have to look at the overall picture. How many Arabs are actually living in Israel? There's an Arab that's uh, on the um, uh, Israeli Supreme Court. I mean, uh, Israel has developed lands and everything like that. They've done a lot and they've prospered here. And the the Palestinians keep just shooting missiles at them. I mean, I understand what you're saying. But there should be some negotiations there, but I think America just took a lot of that away. We're coming up on break, and we can continue this after the break. Um, if you'd like to call in, the toll-free number is 800-932-1980. Uh, Rattlesnake Ray will be joining us uh, after the, uh, the break he, from Arizona. I think he'll have uh, his two cents worth uh, uh, put in. And um hope you can uh, join us after that. And, Let's hope we can get to the bottom of this and have the world live in peace. That's the only song I like about uh, uh, Imagine, about John Lennon. Have the world live in peace together. So here's the first song coming up. Hope you enjoy it, and we'll see you right after the break. Rock the bell, the Capanella, Communist Rock. Roy Khan, Walter Braun, Tuckin, Minnie, Dad, Kwan, Jim, Jim, Two Balls, Rock Around the Clock. 
get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. defended yourself with a gun. The police are called and you're potentially involved in a homicide, but it was self-defense. At this point, you are not in your right mind. No one ever is when they are in fear for their lives and defend themselves. Anything you say can will be used in the court of law, both civilly and criminally. Fortunately, you have SelfDefenseFund.com. We are the National Association for Legal Gun Defense, and we protect our members nationally in all 50 states, up to $1 million per incident per member. Let us do the talking for you and visit SelfDefenseFund.com. Any weapon, any state, any time. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
Trade. You're listening to us on American Voice Radio Network. And also go to nationalwritersyndicate.com, www.nationalwritersyndicate, to uh, look at the preview of each each week's show. Also, if you'd like to call in, the toll-free number is 800-932-1980. And I guess uh, from the first uh, half hour, it's Phil Berg. Uh, we're talking about uh, uh, this fraud, Obama. It's an organization of the United States, uh, which I feel they're trying to do for the whole world, what they're doing in Europe. Our government is infiltrated wholly right, by Muslims right now. Uh, either Obama, uh, not Obama, but uh, Trump is going to have to purge them because they're going to put everything they can in his way to stop him. He's only got four years. So they're going to create all these distractions to get him away from um, what he's supposed to do. Now, uh, Frank, uh, Stefan brought up an interesting point about uh, uh, Israel taking over that land, uh, like. Uh, we have a, a similar thing here in the United States. It's called Atzlan. Uh Mexico uh, calls uh, the southwestern territory Atzlan, uh that we stole it from. We didn't steal it from them. We beat them in the war like uh, Israel did with uh, uh, the Muslims. But also we paid them uh, $15 million. Yeah, but there was some fine print in that also. In Arizona, for instance, it said if we did not subdue the Apaches, the land would uh, convert, uh, revert back to uh, uh, Mexico. And to show you how strong uh, our people felt about that, about keeping that land, is when uh, Roosevelt found out that uh, the Germans had sent a uh, telegram to Mexico. It was called the Zimmerman Telegram, uh, stating that they would help them get back Texas and the Southwest Territories if they would help uh, fight the United States. And that's what really uh, prompted our president to get us in the war, along with a few other things. But that was, uh, I think, a pretty similar comparison. Uh, but before we go any further, I want to bring on uh, Rattlesnake Ray. He's been my co-host for many years. He's down the Arizona border, has a ranch down there. I wonder if it's under control at all. Every time we go down there, there's always some gunfire or something going on. Let's find out what's going on. Hey, Hey, Ray, haven't you been able to catch that guy? Yeah, I'll tell you what, John, you know, he's pretty darn fast. I mean, they sneak under the border and they take off running north, and when they uh, have the the rights of the United States in their eyes and all the benefits and the the, the, the money they're going to get and uh, the good living, uh, I guarantee you what, it's pretty hard to catch them. But uh, yeah. we caught a few of them, but uh, I think there's probably... Well, let's see, it used to be, what, 2 million, we heard, then there was 4 million, then it got up to 8 million, and then all of a sudden it was 11 million for the longest time, and then uh, here not too long ago, I just before, during the campaign, I heard the uh, Hilda Beast actually came out, and she, probably a slip of the tongue, she said there's 16 million in the country, but talking with Border Patrol agents down here, John, and uh, the uh, administration, the Border Patrol that's trying to do something. They actually estimate since around this invasion started around 1992 or 94 that we're probably looking at 30 million plus. No, we have to agree with that. Yeah. yeah, Ray, uh, our guest tonight is uh, Phil Burke. I think you remember Phil. He was on our show when we first started back in 2008. Uh, say hello to Phil. Sure do. I, I, hey, Phil, how's it going? I haven't heard from you a long time. We're always enjoyable to, to, to talk with you. 
But you still uh, leave, John? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if he's... Uh, he was John there just Silver, before... The, did you, John Silver, did you want me back on? I, we got this connected. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just wanted you to say hello to uh, Ray. Yeah, he, he remembers you being on the show, uh, you know, many years ago. Okay. Yeah, I sure did. That's what I say, Phil. How are you doing? It was, it's, it was always good talking with you, and uh, I, I hope you're doing good and everything. I, I, I do know that uh, you had a little bit more of that leaning toward the Democrat Party, so I hope that you're not sitting there with Play-Doh and, and puppy dogs or anything like that right now. I hope you've been able to... <laughs> no, I think the Democrats, they could better wake up because they're going down the wrong path. Obama and, and Hillary belong in jail for Benghazi. Uh, Hillary belongs in jail for the emails. Um, it's it's just a disgrace what they've done. There's more people on food stamps. Obama has ruined this country from day one, and this last thing with the United Nations is is unbelievable, you know. And it's you know, and now Obama's going to want to retaliate against Russia for election interference. What did he do against him with Crimea and Ukraine and and uh, uh, Syria? Nothing, you know. I mean, Obama's a joke, and and. I'm in the Jewish faith. How any Jewish person can still support Obama at this point shocks me, and I know some, and some I've been fighting with. He is, has done the worst to Israel, <clears throat> and he's done the worst to everyone in this country. He hasn't helped blacks. He hasn't helped anyone. Tell me one good thing he's done for this country. The only good thing that he's done, in my opinion, eight years, as far as the Affordable Care Act, which Trump's going to pick up on, is no pre-existing conditions. And um, young people could stay on policies till 26. But I spoke to a young person a few weeks ago who's 24 on his parents' policy, and they're taking them off. You know why? Because the premium's too high. So, you know, it, it's just um, he, he's been a disaster. And the whole world knows he's a fraud. The whole world knows he was born in Kenya. And we're the laughing stock of the world. Yeah, you know, it's a joke. You're, you're right. Now, one thing I wanted to bring up, I, I grew up in San Francisco. And uh, a very good friend of mine, childhood friend of mine, said she wants to get out of the city because it's just dirty, filthy, uh, all the homeless uh, and everything. But yet uh, the housing there is absolutely incredible. I grew up in a neighborhood uh, uh, that was fairly inexpensive uh, uh, called the Excelsior District uh, in the outlying parts of uh, San Francisco, downtown San Francisco. And I was just looking at the prices of these houses. At one time they were, uh, they were purchased for like $7,000. Fourteen thousand uh, dollars. The house that I lived in was built in 1903, but yet the asking price now is eight hundred and thirty-three thousand dollars. I, I cannot find. And, and this is a low-priced neighborhood now. Uh, all you have now are the dot-com people, uh, the Chinese who uh, come in, uh, the Filipinos who come in, have the, uh, all the money. The Asians, uh, the Chinese are now running the city. You have the homosexuals who have all the money, and that's all it's going to be are these people that, uh, that have and have nots. And uh, she said, you can't believe it. San Francisco looks so bad in the daytime. The only time it looks good is at night. Listen, John, John, I I have to run, but a pleasure being on your show. For all your listeners out there, my book is called Obama Scare. It's available on Amazon. It goes into detail on everything about Obama, the fraud, phony, liar, and posser he is. He, He was born in Kenya. His parents divorced. His mother remarried. He was adopted in Indonesia. He's a total fraud. Benghazi I discussed. He belongs in jail for Benghazi. And, and just, it's a pleasure being on with you, and I look forward to being on your show again. And, Ray, nice talking to you on Friday.
All right, guys. You too. You, you, <laughs> you too, Phil. And, uh, happy New Year to you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Phil. Yeah, and uh, it's becoming a, a country of have and have nots, and that's exactly what they, they want to do. Uh, also, I had to go down to uh, South Florida fairly recently to see the grandkids, and we uh, checked into a hotel close to them. We got a pretty good deal on it. But then I found out that the parking meters, it's $4 an hour for a parking meter. Uh, total ripoff, this is, uh, you know, Miami Beach, uh, total, total ripoff. I mean, it's just outrageous. The only people that can afford it are the Europeans coming in, wherever they're coming in from. Uh, they, they, they can care less. I mean, the hotel is three, $400 a night, uh, which is outrageous. Yeah, but I saw what happened to San Francisco, and that's exactly what the, they want to do in this country. Yeah, but the blacks and the Muslims are being used to destroy the white race uh, because they're too stupid to realize that uh, uh, communism is the highest form of uh, slavery. Would you agree, Ray? Oh, definitely, John. And you know what? It, this is, uh, I've always said this is the plan that started a long, long, long time ago. Um, every TV show that you turn on for out of Hollywood, I mean, Hollywood, I, I just, this day and age, and maybe it's turning a little bit that people aren't watching uh, as much of this Hollywood crap that comes out anymore. You know, they're full of just self loathing, American hating, leftist, commie weirdos. And every single thing that you see come out of Hollywood, every person that is black or any person in a position of authority is black. And the Hollywood portrays the uh, white people, the white actors, uh, you know, the police department has always got the black commissioner. Thing. The blacks are put in a position of superiority in order to make white people look like a bunch of kicks and dumbasses and I think this has been going on so much and, and because people for some reason don't have enough uh, you know IQ or whatever to just distinguish Hollywood fantasy from reality well, they've been dumbed, they, you know, they, they, you know they, they start believing this yeah, they've been dumbed down uh, I mean this newer generation yeah. I can't believe how stupid they are and, and uh, also uh, all they want is gimme, 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 uh, you know, we deserve it and everything else. And uh, we've actually created a monster. Before I, we, uh, I forget, I want to make sure that people keep boycotting CNN, uh, Target, uh, CNN, the Communist News Network, which was started by uh, uh, Ted Turner and his uh, commie piece of crap wife, uh, Jane Fonda. Also MSNBC, uh, Target, the ones of sodomites in the, in the uh, bathrooms. Also, uh, the Sani Yogurt, uh, headed up by a Muslim who wants to bring in millions of more Muslims. He doesn't care about us. Uh, Starbucks only wants sodomites in there. And there's a few others. If you see a TV show that's just all blacks, uh, don't watch it. If you see any uh, commercial that features only blacks, uh, don't buy the product. That's the only way they're going to understand this because they got away with it in uh, South Africa. And go ask some of the white people over there how they like uh, living under uh, black rule over there. Uh, so, Ray, um, what's, what's the latest on, there, on the border? I mean, is it still pretty much the same, or uh, has it increased, or, or what, since uh, they see that? Uh, yeah, John, you know, it's a 24-hour, 365-day-a-year uh, constant assault against this country from Mexico, and uh, that's part of the plans. I mean, Mexico is basically a narco-terrorist state right now. The, the 
the Mexican government, if anybody doesn't know, is is one of the biggest drug cartels, or is the biggest, most powerful drug cartel in the entire country. Yeah, yeah, but they don't know. They they, they never stop, John. It's just been an unending assault against our country right now. As a matter of fact, you know, I'm not involved with all this internet stuff because I think, like you said, it's it's everything. It's me, me, me. Look at me and our whatever these. You know, every every woman you see on there has got some pouty lip or whatever. You know, looks like them idiot Kardashians. But uh, they actually had a friend of mine who actually showed me uh, right up here, we drove 25 miles north of where I live in a in a town right next to the Fort Huachuca military base, Sierra Vista, Arizona. Some Mexican girl had her picture on there, and the big face tag, her Facebook tag, what it was. Does anybody know a good immigration lawyer? Now, what she basically has to do is try to lawyer up to keep in, uh, to stay in this country illegally. You know, they came here illegally. They knowingly broke a law, crossing into this country, and John, they, they started this invasion 20, 25 years ago, and it has never stopped. And right now, to this very day, it is never ending. I can go out, I live one mile north of the Mexican border right now. I used to live right on it, but I, I, I just couldn't uh, I, I just couldn't defend myself uh, from all points at that time. Carried guns constantly, but uh, and I still do. I got one sitting in front of me right now, but uh, well, Ray, they, they, they never stopped, John. That's on purpose, because look what happened here. They said, well, Hillary got the popular vote uh, by three million. It was all illegals voting in, uh, in California. And like I said earlier in the show, uh, when Phil was on, that uh, you know they'll get to, they they they've tipped the uh, the scale. They cannot vote us, and if they get rid of the electoral college uh, next time, they will uh, you know uh, get back in and undo everything that uh, Trump has done. He's only got four years to get all these Muslims purged out of the government. He doesn't know which. Uh, yeah, well maybe he does, but you know there's so many well, like uh, Paul Ryan and. and Oh, the rhinos there. You know, John, it's interesting that you're saying that. Here's something that just came up that I just found out about, oh, oh, two months ago, that uh, it is a plan by the leftist socialist Democrats, the communists in this country. Um, The plan was to try to get as many people as they could in this country. We all know that in order to vote for uh, Obama and then Hillary. Now, uh, what the Border Patrol agents are telling me, John, is... The, our politicians, our leftist, liberal, left-wing, communist Democrats in this country have uh, under, you know, it's what's called the breeding program. There's nothing written down. But, John, they're looking right now at what they call the breeding program. And what that is is they've gotten the amount of people they can in this country. Say Trump builds the wall. Well, now if they have 30 million in here, and the, the legal age of consent for sexual consent in Mexico is 12 years old for a, a girl, and, and and I have actually witnessed 12 and 13 year old girls with Mexican families that are just ecstatic. They're having uh, they're pregnant and they're looking for uh, you know baby showers. Just uh, I, I mean, it's just unbelievable the, the difference in their culture. They say everybody's the same. We're not all the same, but. Uh, now they're looking at the breeding program. These leftist Marxist commie Democrats have found out that, all right, if Trump was to build a wall, but if these people can continue staying out of this country, 
they can breed us out of uh, votes right now. And that is an actual, and that comes from Border Patrol Administration. They, they actually know this. Yeah, well, they did it in California, right? I, you know, Hillary, uh, after all the, the, the smoke clear, she got three million extra votes in, uh, from, all from California because they're all illegals. Jerry Brown, that commie piece of crap out there, uh, gave them the right to uh, vote in our elections. One of the things Trump should do is make it a federal crime uh, to uh, vote in an election. Uh, you know what the dreamers are, right? The dreamers, oh, sure. That's the kids that came here because their parents brought them here, and they're, they're saying, you know, we should don't break up the families. Well, you know, deport the whole families. But the only concession I would give on that is, look, uh, if you're a dreamer and if you've committed a crime or you're on the government dole, uh, you are deported. It's, it's that simple. Because, uh, well, you know. And you know the other thing on that, John, uh, also, if uh, I think that if you snuck into this country illegally under the cover of darkness, underneath the, the barbed wire fence that separates Arizona from Mexico or the river. I mean, you snuck under the fence like a skulking coyote. You knew you were breaking the law. If you're in this country, um, as long as you've done that, if you've come in here illegally, which they have, then you forfeit your right to vote. You have no right to vote whatsoever. And I don't think your children should have a right to vote until they've been vetted or they've been, you know, this anchor baby stuff is a bunch of bull. You know, maybe 25 years. Well, I, I understand the court ruled that uh, they, they are not uh, citizens, uh, uh, these anchor babies, and that's the way they uh, uh, gain control. Uh, well, you know, Frank, there's, you there's a crying and talking. Uh, well, I wanted to bring uh, Frank on for a last, he might have something to and before uh, he has to depart. Uh, Frank, you there? Yeah. Well, you know, the whole anchor baby thing is, uh, you know, the Supreme Court ruled that, well, you know, uh, uh, the 14th Amendment. But um, it doesn't wash, and they got it really wrong, and it was a political thing. And, and they also have a theory there in the Supreme Court. If you're a bank robber, and you go rob the bank, and you get away with the money... And uh, you decide you're going to go buy a house and a boat and a car, and you do, and now you don't have the money anymore. But they come by and they go, hey, you know, uh, we know you robbed the bank, you're under arrest. Well, you don't get to keep the boat and the car and the, and the, and the house. They, that all gets seized because it is poisoned fruit from a poisoned tree. In other words, any, any kind of gain from a crime is poison. It's part of the crime. So if illegals are dropping kids in the United States, they're here illegally. That child is here illegally. Okay? It, it, it's their theory, all right? And then they turn around and go, well, you know... And then there's the other part that the 14th Amendment says anybody under the jurisdiction... Well, if you're here illegally, you are not under the jurisdiction of the United States. You are a citizen of another country. You're under their jurisdiction. No matter where you go... You're breaking in here illegally. You know, I mean, that's why we got FBI agents all over the world. It's just, Very good. Uh, and, and, and you know, Frank, what they say to you, well, you're breaking up families. Well, guess what? When you decided to, uh, to flee your home country, the country of allegiance to Mexico, to come up here to the United States, you broke up a, a family down there. They left, they broke up a family, you know, why you've been here, why don't you take the skills that you learned here in the United States and go back to Mexico and see if you can better your own country? 
because they're, uh, I mean, you got allegiance to Mexico, so go back to Mexico and take your skills that you learned up here and see what you can do to better your own country. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm tired of hearing that crap at all. I don't care about their broken up families any more than I care that, oh, right. gee, uh, uh, the bank robber's going to go to prison and we're breaking up his family too. How come yeah, everybody's not right. crying about that? Top. 100%. Anybody that commits a crime like that, it, 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 I mean, just what you said. How can you say that? And you know the thing I've always said, Frank? In the United States of America, oh, well, these people want to come up. They want to this and that and that. These people don't want to be Americans. They want to be Mexicans living in the United States of America, taking what they can from this country and actually not really giving anything back. Uh, you give a little bit of labor back. You know the odd thing about it was that we had at one time the United in America before it was the United States of America, the most powerful army in the world at that time, the British Army, and they they were they were tyrants and oppressive toward the people who wanted to make a country, and we had farmers, backwoodsmen, whatnot, picked up their muskets, their deer rifles, their squirrel rifles, and beat. The most powerful army in the world and sent them back 4,000 miles away, back over to England. Now, yeah. why don't they, these Mexicans have any type of pride? Do that in your own country. That's well, what pride is. You know, the whole hey, thing uh, is there's a saying. Hey. There's a saying. Why, why should I buy the cow if I'm getting free milk? And yeah, that's, yeah, and that's like what the milk. Mexicans are doing here. Uh, they're... You know, they're just taking us out on a date and screwing us real good, and they're never going <laughs> and they're right. never going to marry us. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, Ray, uh, sorry that you know your your leg is healing uh, uh, very good. I hope uh, we we may get you a new type of saddle. You know that uh, <laughs> that's the second time you broke broken the leg down there. So maybe we I think I need one, up. John, called a big F three fifty King Ranch uh, edition. That's the type of saddle I need. <laughs> Really? Okay, well, Ray, uh, you know, stay safe down there. Uh, we're coming up on the end of the show. Uh, and, uh, you know, just keep your eyes and ears open what's going on. Thanks, uh, Frank, for coming on. Uh, uh, Frank hasn't talked to you, I don't think, uh, since. Uh, well, maybe he did talk to you during the break. But also, uh, go check out my books, uh, Pozan and Dead Angel, on Amazon.com. Dead Angel is about growing up at Jerry Garcia. Pozan is about my alien encounter that went on for 10 years. Uh, check it out. And again, www.theamericanvoice.com, uh, and also uh, we also have uh, uh, the website to go to to check uh, for the next week's show. We'll be on there each time. That's uh, uh, check that one out. And uh, we're like I said, coming up on the end. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, check with us next week. Bad woman will be back next uh, next week. And uh, tonight, sure, uh, Frank, happy New Year to all just good patriotic Americans, John, and, uh, you and Frank. I think it's gonna. I think we're gonna have the next great eight. I think we're gonna go past four, and we're gonna go into eight years. So it's gonna be a, a good time. Great Happy New Year. I'm sorry. Good night.
and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit discount gold and silver trading at dgscoins.com. That's dgscoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. I'm Alfred Haddisk, and this is Financial Survival, our evening edition for thir- or for Wednesday. Uh, what is this? The 15th day of April, year of our Lord, 2015. I'm trying to think there's something special, something going on on the 15th. What is it? Must be something. I've got a string tied around my finger, and I'm trying to remember those. Well, company, we'll get to it. We're, whatever it is, whatever's going on on the 15th, we'll get to it before the program's over. We're going to have James Corbett from the Corbett Report. He will be on after the first break. He should be here in about 20 minutes. Um, James will be calling in, should be calling in from Japan, which where he and his wife and their, and their baby boy are, are living. And I uh, always look forward to talking to him, and I hope you will stick around to hear what he has to say. First, we'll do the market reports. Um, gold is up $9.60 during the day today on the U.S. markets. It closed at $1,202.50 per ounce, but in the world spot markets, it's up another $4.80 since the uh, 
U.S. markets closed. That would be in the last five hours. It's gone up another four dollars and eighty cents on the international market. So gold's having a good had a good day. Silver's up uh, eighteen cents in the U.S. markets, closing at sixteen dollars and forty one cents per ounce. Platinum is up ten bucks to one thousand one hundred eighty five dollars per ounce. Palladium is up six bucks to seven hundred seventy three dollars per ounce. In the equities, the Dow Jones rose seventy six points today, one thousand one hundred and almost thirteen points. Uh, Nasdaq was up almost thirty four points to five thousand and eleven. New York Stock Exchange was up 63 points to 11,171. U.S. dollar index was, well, I'm looking at this evening. It's down 30.37 this evening, and I can't recall what it did during the day today on the U.S. markets. I think it started out closer to the the 100 mark, and it dropped. It dropped in the, during the day today, but to tell you the truth, I can't quite remember that for sure. Crude oil rose almost $3 during the day, but it fell $0.37 cents, uh, in the overnight markets, and it's down to $56.02 per barrel, which is still good compared to, you know, we were bounced along the $45 per barrel uh, limit, and a lot of people thought it was going to fall into the 30s maybe even in the 20s, but it seems to have reversed, and I don't think we're going to go back to the, I don't think we're going to go below 45. That was my prediction du jour back about a month ago, and it turned out to be correct. And so now people will never hear the end of it. Ten years from now, I'll still be sitting back, and that was back when I predicted, and I was right. It's bound to happen. An infinite number of prognosticators on an infinite number of radio talk shows, and eventually somebody gets the right prediction going. What else do we have to talk about today? Oh, we could talk a little bit about the the Internal Revenue Service, because as you know, today is tax day. Got to file your taxes and pay off whatever it is you owe for last year. April 15th, that's the limit. There are possibilities for extensions, but most of us don't get into that. Uh, The big thing is that the taxes are so complex. I saw that there are 74,000 pages of tax rules, laws, regulations, No one can know all that. That's not possible. The instructions, the instructions for the 1040 form are over 200 pages long right now. For those of you that are concerned about how Obamacare is affecting your income tax, your your, your obligation to file income taxes, if you'd like to learn more, you can go to the Internal Revenue website and they where they have 3,332 pages of guidance in relationship to just Obamacare. I don't know, how can that even be? What You know, if you'd like to read that to catch up, so make sure you don't make any mistakes on, on filing your income tax relative to Obamacare, 
you should read the 3,332 pages, and then, well, because it's not, it doesn't read like a romance novel, does it? It's fairly complex, and often references different sections and, and uh, subsections and so on, and if you want to understand, you're going back and forth from one place to another, you might want to read those 3,332 pages, maybe twice, maybe even three times. Make sure you've got it and you really understand what Obamacare is all about. But one thing is this. By the time you get done reading those 3,332 pages, enough times where you are actually, where you get it, you understand what's being said and what's meant there, they will undoubtedly add another 15, 20, maybe 100, maybe 500 pages to the 3,332 that they already have. It's like a never-ending job trying to keep up with these income taxes. Now, we've seen a report that 70% of the American people believe that the income tax should be simplified. So another report where right now the average man in terms of lost productivity, the amount of time that we spend on income tax, filing our income tax returns and calculating and most of it, costs an average of about $1,600 per tax filer. Right? Across the country, per year, 1600 I don't remember what that multiplied out to, but I think it was uh, in excess of several billion dollars that we're spending just lost productivity while we're fooling around trying to figure out what does this mean? Reading 200 pages of text to find out how to file a 1040. It's stupid. It's crazy. It's, it's just, it can't be justified. It's not rational. It's not reasonable. And we are headed for, it, it can lead to nothing but trouble. 70% mm -hmm. of the population, the American people, want a simplified tax code. Insofar as that's true, we can expect that any politician running for public office, well, at least at the, at the federal level, running for Congress, running for Senate, knowing that 70% of the people favor a simplified tax code, everybody running for office ought to be standing up and say, well, I'm in favor of a simplified tax code. It would be one of the things you do in order to, to attract the support and the votes of 70% of the people. And you really have to wonder, you know, if, if only 70% of the people want a simplified tax code, what is going on with the other 30%? Are we to believe that 30% of the American people say, no, this was... This one's just about right. Got just the level of complexity that we would all really like and admire. Is that what's going on? Or are these 30% people who don't file our taxes no matter what happens? Huh? But it's hard to imagine that you don't have 100% in favor of simplified tax code. And yet no one really picks up that claim, or virtually no one picks up that that claim, no one promises that if you vote for me, I'm going to get them to work to simplify the tax code. Nobody brings it up, and I think it's not an accident. I think that the powers that be don't want a simplified tax code. They want something that's complex, incomprehensible, full of loopholes. You know, what's wrong? You know, the Bible, they talk about a tithe, and everybody gets it. 
Well, so how much did you get? You get a hundred dollars, you owe ten. Did you get ten thousand? You owe you owe one thousand. You get ten million, you owe one million. It's easy, and there's no exemptions, and there's no wow unless you've got how many kids do you have, and how many dependents do you have, and is it are you filing in a month that has an R in it or whatever? The Bible can work with a ten percent. How is it that we have to have? 74,000 words or 74,000 pages of rules and regulations and explanations and whatever else. What's wrong with the tithe? You know, you could fill out your income tax. All you got to do is get how much did I make this year? <laughs> Move the decimal point over one to the, one to the left, and that's how much you owe. End of story. Government doesn't want a simplified tax code. I think the reason for that is that there are problems, fundamental problems with the Internal Revenue Code. I don't think it applies within the states of the Union. I think, I can't prove it, but I think it only applies in the territories. I think it's presumed that if you file these things, you do, if you're not in a that you're not in a state of the union. I think within the states of the union, I doubt that it can legally apply, but it can apply in the District of Columbia and in the territories, and they make certain presumptions and play certain games and allow people to be deceived into filing when they may not have to. Now, I understand that that's a peculiar theory. It's not, it's not something that just popped up in the last... You know, in the last couple of months or years, that theory has been around. I'm not the first one to advance that idea. It's been around for probably 20 years. I've never seen anything to refute it. Government doesn't want to admit that it's true. I don't know that it absolutely is, but it's there is a lot to support it. There's a lot of evidence and implications in one thing or another. And the point I'm trying to make, if the tax code were simple, it would be relatively easy for us to understand it. Huh? And it wouldn't be surprising if, in the midst of that simplicity, somebody said, wait a second, wait a minute, wait, wait, the way this thing is set up, it, it doesn't apply within the states of the Union. Yeah, I don't believe this, but look over here, read, read, <laughs> read paragraph, subparagraph, you know, 16. And it tells you. I think we could understand what was going on in the tax in the in the tax code. I think if it was simplified, they'd have to admit some scams. They'd have to admit that they have been deceiving the American people in that simplicity, the deception would become obvious. And rather than let the cat out of the bag and let people figure out what's going on, they just keep on adding more pages and more pages and more pages. And making it more and more complex, supposedly making it more fair, but it's just nonsense. It's crazy. So, what do you do? Well, I think you have to pay attention. You have to start to study, start to learn. Make up your own mind what you think about the tax code. And why not lean on your congressman and your senator and perhaps even your president and say we need a simplified tax code and make it abundantly clear to both political parties that the party that rewards, the party that 
follows the people's sign on this. 70% say we want a, a simplified tax code. All right, I don't care if it's the Democrats or the Republicans. Whichever one of you guys can deliver, you're going to get our support. We need to push them and stop you know, what is an incomprehensible tax system that is incomprehensible, unfair, I mean, can anyone recommend, is there anything anyone can say that says, boy, this is a great tax program. This is really good. We need to share this with the rest of the world so they can have a tax, an income tax system that's every bit as great and wonderful as ours is. We need to simplify so in any case, we're done with the filing of the insurance or of the, uh, the, the taxes uh, tonight or just about got a couple more hours, maybe depending on where you are. Um, we've got almost we've got two hours and 45 minutes to file in the central time zone. One hour and 45 east coast and uh, west coast. You're, what do you got? Two, three, something like five hours left to file. I don't know what it is in Hawaii. And I can remember there have been years when I was out there filing at the last minute, boy, I'll tell you. Driving down there and getting in line, and they're collecting all the income tax returns and the buckets out there in front of the post office. It's just laughable. Melanie was talking earlier today. She was talking about the same thing. She said, you know, she watched her mother filing income tax returns once upon a time, years ago, I don't remember when, I get the impression she, Melody must have been in high school or something like that. And her mother, she says her mother was a hard-working woman and she had to file that tax. And she was literally running to try to get that tax return filed by midnight on April 15th. And Melody said, you know, that is, that is one of the moments when I began to realize there's something wrong here. And it's the sort of thing I've had an experience of my own. I went through a divorce. That's when my lights were turned on. I began to realize that the government is corrupt, unreliable, a criminal enterprise. It's essentially taken control of what was once a constitutional government. What opened, opened, turned my lights on, made me begin to see divorce back in 1983. I think it's each of us goes through different events. But all of a sudden, get you talking to yourself. And it's cause for a certain amount of celebration. We can sit back there and say, you know, all of us, sooner or later, are going to start to think about the sorts of things that some of us have thought about almost in isolation for the past several decades. The government makes people run in fear to file their income tax returns. We're afraid of the government and what they might do. And that was enough to make Melody say, wait a second, something's wrong here. I went through a divorce, and now I said, something's wrong here. Each of you may have had some sort of an experience. And the point to this, the lesson in all of this, is that the government's own excesses, excesses um, I'm not sure if I can pronounce that word, but I think you know what I'm talking about. They build, they create the government's downfall. 
The government never knows when to say enough. We can't push these people anymore. Government inevitably thinks if they can squeeze a certain amount of money out of you, they can squeeze more. Let's get more. Come on, let's try it. What the heck? And usually it works. Got to give them credit. Usually it works. They do. But you eventually reach a point where there is enough resistance and enough awareness and enough knowledge where people just say, it's, it's kind of like a Bundy Ranch event where the public finally says, enough. I hope we'll get an event like that in the foreseeable future. I hope we'll have an event where the public finally just says, enough of this, give us a simplified tax form, or don't expect us to file any more taxes. I'm Alfred Addis. This is the Financial Survival. We're going to take a break. James Corbett should be joining us in about three minutes. Please stay tuned. condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll free, 866-229-3663, that's 866-229-3663, international callers dial 704-875-8010, or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. American Voice. 
Coast Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. I'm Alfred Adisk here on Financial Survival. I'm here with James Corbett, our guest, calling in from Japan, where he's been living and working for the past 11 years. He started the Corbett Report about seven years ago, eight years ago, as an outlet for independent critical analysis of politics, society, history, and economics. He's also editor, editorial writer for the International Forecaster, a uh, weekly e-newsletter created by the recently deceased economic analyst Bob Chapman. Oh, James, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, and you know what? Sometimes I have to remind myself we're on opposite sides of the planet talking right yeah. now because yeah. it sounds sometimes like we're in the same room. I understand. It is so astonishing. It really is just something you look at and you think, my God. And not only are we... T- <laughs> I can remember when long-distance telephone calls used to cost a quarter a minute. And now they're and when free. a quarter a minute meant something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And now they're free. Uh, it's pretty astonishing. It's one of the, you know, it's one of the good things that you can see in this life. There are other things that we can look at, and uh, they don't inspire a sense of wonder so much as maybe horror at times. Here's one example from the New York Times. Nuclear reactors in Japan remain closed by judge's order. That's the headline. And they're talking about 13 commercial nuclear reactors uh, along the coastline in Fukui Prefecture. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, But they go on, and a a judge has recently signed an order that at least local um, atomic energy facilities are not going back on the grid. And... The article says in part, Fukuya has, uh, has emerged as a battleground for the Japanese government's effort to rebuild the nuclear in- and, uh, industry and reverse the economic impact of the reactor shutdowns. Now, first off, how are you going to rebuild the nuclear industry? It sounds like they've got new ideas. They're going to clean these things up, put a fresh coat of paint on them, and maybe paint some daisies and happy faces on them and then everything will be okay. Is it possible to rebuild the nuclear industry at this time in Japan? At this time, I would say it is primarily a PR campaign. Uh, That's what this ultimately boils down to because the nuclear industry would be more than happy to go back to business as usual, which we all know how that turned out on March 11, 2011. But uh, but they're more than happy to do that and to continue running their shoddy operations and uh, basically living on the brink of another disaster uh, as long as it makes them money, which it always obviously does. Uh, the only problem is that there was uh, there's obviously so much resentment towards the nuclear industry here in Japan right now, and there's still 
I mean, such a, a strong movement against the idea of restarting these reactors amongst the general public that they just can't go ahead with it politically at this time, although they've tried. They've definitely tried. And the uh, uh, Shinzo Abe prime minister who came in a couple of years ago here has uh, made it one of his planks to restart the nuclear industry. And uh, the Nuclear Regulatory Authority or Nuclear Regulation Authority, which was created in the wake of Fukushima to be the new regulator for the nuclear industry, since the old one didn't do so well, uh, has actually given its thumbs up to these restarts. It is just the courts now that is holding this back, um, specifically in Fukui Prefecture, as you noted there. And from what I understand, the, uh, the judge who has issued this order, Hideaki Higuchi, is known for being, or is becoming known for being a bit of a renegade on this issue and basically putting his feet down on this issue. So if it wasn't for this judge basically being the roadblock, this would already be happening and the restarts would already be going on. Um, I think a lot of people in the general public are, are happy about this. Um, and, and really, at this point, it is a battle for the hearts and minds of the public because if the public go along with it, then I think the, uh, the restarts will happen and everything will go back to business as usual. I see that the article, it says at one part, none of the 48 usable reactors in Japan are back online. Apparently there are 48 reactors total. None of them are online at this time. If that's correct, what kind of impact has it had on Japan? Are, are your energy supplies diminished dramatically where it makes a difference, a noticeable difference, or is the world getting by without nuclear? Well, this is a really key point of all of this, because if there is one thing that the Fukushima disaster has exposed, I think, undeniably, it's that the old lie that Japan just could not maintain its society without mm -hmm. nuclear power is a lie. It obviously can do so. Now, it's not to say that this is uh, a comfortable situation for Japan, generally speaking, and we've seen that in the last few years with Japan running up a uh, trade deficit for the first time in years because they're importing so much LNG primarily uh, to keep the, uh, the, the power going, but the power is going, and there have been no long-term or noticeable disruptions in power supply, even in the Tokyo area, where obviously TEPCO has been greatly affected by, by this uh, disaster. Um, and uh, even in the, in the immediate wake of the disaster, in the summer of 2011, they were saying we might have to ration electricity and all of this. But basically, I mean, some businesses changed their operations and uh, went with more natural light and less electrical light and things like that. And there was no... Um, at least no no disruptions. There was uh, obviously, uh, I mean, it was tighter in terms of the energy supply. So it can be done. It's not economically comfortable, but it can be done. And it really does expose the lie that Japan just couldn't rely on anything other than nuclear. I had a friend of mine named Terry Lofton. He passed away a couple of years ago. Lofton, uh, he was involved in legal reform, and he collected books. And he'd go to estate sales looking for law books, and you know, just nosing around. He was at an estate where he picked up a three-volume set for the operation manual for the Federal Reserve. Right now, if you wanted to see this, you could go to the Federal Reserve and say, we'd like to see the three-volume set. My understanding is they'll let you go in there and go into a room and look at it. And you can, you've got a half hour. You can't take any notes. You can't take any recording devices. And if you want to come back, they make arrangements. They can probably squeeze you in six months from now again. The book is not, the, the three-ring set is not easily 
you know, found by the average person. Lofton got this, and it was undoubtedly dated uh, from some rich guy's house, and who knows, he was involved in the banking industry, and he had, a, he had a copy of the manual. It might not have been current. But what was interesting, I never saw the manuals myself, but Lofton had them, and Lofton read them, and he told me there was one section in there where the Federal Reserve said we will not lend money to unconventional energy. All right, solar, uh-uh. Wind, uh-uh. They'll lend money if it's going for petroleum, for coal, and for nuclear. And by establishing that, they were essentially establishing energy policy in the United States. I mean, if there's some varieties, varieties of energy that can't get funding, well, then guess what? They're just going nowhere. And uh, you just you mentioned something about oh the way Japan is attempting to the government is trying to push nuclear. Do they have similar restrictions or inhibitions or on on solar, for example? Or is that a viable technology where you are wind? I would expect how to work. Does solar has space in Japan. That's right. Well, solar has definitely been more and more of the equation here as there have been government uh, programs and incentives for a while now for people to put uh, solar panels up and then to sell some of that power back into the grid. So that's been going on for a while now, and uh, I, I don't think it generates a, uh, a large proportion of the overall power here, but at least it is somewhat growing and and easy to do relatively. Um, however, uh, I think some of the more interesting ideas are some of the experiments that are taking place and have been taking place with such things as tidal power, which obviously if we could manage to harness that, I mean, that would be an incredible resource, especially for an island nation like Japan. Um, so there's, there's well, obviously a really interesting... A lot of listeners wouldn't understand what you mean by tidal power. So basically the idea of uh, spinning uh, turbines by not not by boiling water or anything of that sort, but just simply the motion of the, the tides in and out can mm -hmm. actually turn turbines, which can then mm -hmm. power generators. So mm -hmm. uh, completely natural, completely, once you get it set up and working, it would be completely, well, not free, but basically free to operate. I mean, you just have to maintain the systems. So it would be an incredible way of generating power and uh one that they are working on. I know there's been some test uh, testing done, I want to say in the North Sea. I might be completely wrong with that, but I know there's been some, some testing of these types of systems going on. And uh, the last I checked, there was uh, some plans for some experiments uh, to be held off of uh, the coast of Japan with regards to that. So that would be exciting. And there's a lot of untapped geothermal energy in Japan as well. And uh, I can't remember how many... How many megawatts uh, of untapped potential there are, but I, I remember it being a, quite a large proportion. It's just that a lot of the, the geothermal potential right now is kind of tied up as tourist spots for hot springs and things of that nature. But if Japan really wanted to, if pictures it, of the monkeys, the exactly. snow monkeys, whatever they are, they must have they they must have staked out at least a couple of hot pools. Uh, <laughs> I think they have. Yeah. Exactly right. So uh, so you're exactly right. But with regards to that Federal Reserve manual that you've talked about, I have a couple of things to say to that. First of all, I think the underlying point of that story is that, yes, I think in a previous generation, 100%, it's, it's quite obvious that uh, the, the powers that shouldn't be tried and, and consciously w were able to direct 
uh, money and investment and and uh, and energy, excuse the the pun, into the the coal and and fossil fuel industry and the nuclear industry in order to build those industries up at the expense of possible alternatives. I think that's quite demonstrable. But the underlying point of that is they can easily flip that on a dime and support you know anything else that they want to at the expense of the the coal or, or nuclear industries, which. I think we've seen in recent years, we've seen Rockefellers and Rothschilds and others divesting themselves of their historical oil connections and promoting more and more green power, not because they care about the earth, but because it's going to be a more efficient way of bringing in the type of global dictatorship that they want to uh, to bring about. Yeah. And people who are interested in that can look into the uh, proceedings of the fourth Wilderness Conference, the Fourth World Wilderness Conference, uh, that was held in Denver in, I believe, 1988, and some of the uh, the audio recordings of those proceedings were taped, including uh, one of the Rothschilds, I believe, Edmund de Rothschild, talking about how they needed to uh, to create a second Marshall Plan, um, basically starting a World Conservation Bank to uh, to work on debt relief and stable development, of course, but um, basically just creating another big giant uh, cash cow pool of uh, billions of dollars for the global elite to play with. So I think, again, the point really is that they can continue to direct the money wherever they want. And if, if solar or wind or whatever will be the convenient way for them to do that, they will do so. And I think there are signs that's happening. My second point with regards to that would be, does your friend still have a copy of this? Can it nope. be In fact, he sold it. He sold it to an airline pilot. All right. Hmm. He sold it for a hundred bucks. Uh, I would I gladly have paid that. more than I that. Tr- yeah. I tried to get, a, I tried to borrow that copy from the airline pilot. Originally, he wouldn't let me see it, and then later on, he told me he had thrown it in the trash because it wasn't doing him any good, which I regarded as the equivalent of get a, you have a copy of the Gutenberg Bible. Nah, I wasn't reading it, so I threw it in the trash. Uh, it was just, to me, it was a blasphemy. You know, why anyone would trash any sort of books, practically. Yeah. You know, I regard that as suspect. I don't care if it's romance novels. You know, probably, maybe you can throw those in the trash, but maybe not. You know, but a book like that. And I don't know that he really did it, but regardless, he shut the door where I couldn't see it. And this goes back, the story goes back to the 1990s. That's when he had this, probably mid 1990s. So it's, you know, 20 years ago at least. And uh, the book, the volume might have been from the 1980s. I don't know what the date was on, on the original volume, but just the same. Nope, it's not accessible, and it galls me to this day. I'd like to get my hands on that. One of the things about it is this it's true that they can change on a dime and they can start funding solar, for example, or wind or tidal energy, whatever they want. I get that. But you also have to sit back and say, look, if these people had been making their credit available to everybody back in the 1980s and the 1990s and so on, where would our solar energy industry be today? It may be that they can turn around and they perhaps have turned around the last 10, 15 years. But after 20 years of suppression, we're 20 years behind the curve. We could have been ahead on this thing. We could be much further down the road, except for the manipulation, and it was done in order to maintain profits for you know, some special interests. So uh, what do you do? It's just part of life. 
But it's well, that, sort of- I mean, that fundamentally is the argument that's made by the people who say that rather than getting rid of the Federal Reserve, we should just nationalize it. We should take it over and use it as a public utility, basically, because that's what credit should be. And I, I understand and I'm somewhat sympathetic to that viewpoint, although I don't think... I don't think the government should have anything whatsoever to do with the money supply, regulating it, creating it, overseeing it. But that's just me anyway. But uh, but mm-hmm. I understand the point because credit, ultimately, what credit is, is basically saying, yes, we will work towards uh, work towards paying off this, 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 this debt or whatever, but we will do it for a specific purpose. And if we're creating money as as some sort of uh, infrastructure projects or if we're creating it for investing in, in alternative energy research or something, then we can be doing something actually useful and creative with this rather than just spending it away in a rather than just profit derivative. Exactly. Yeah. But but having said that, I, I think more so even than than, than potential solar energy research or, or what have you, I think the uh, the real potential out there is for zero-point energy or other types of alternative energy research that I have, I have no doubt has been su- suppressed over the years. I mean, I, I, I can't, I don't know off the top of my head, I believe they still say that uh, the, uh, the SR-71 or whatever it was, the Blackbird, is still the yep. fastest plane in the world or whatever, uh, five decades old at this point. If you think that they haven't been able to come up with better technology than that in the last half century, I have a a moon rock to sell you. So, I mean, it's ridiculous. You hold on to that moon rock. You hold on to the moon rock, and maybe we'll make a deal after these commercials. We've got to take a break. Um, I'll be back with James Corbett from the Corbett Report, C-O-R-B-E-T-T, report.com. Please stay tuned. relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll free 866-229-3663. That's 866 866- Two two nine three six six three. International callers dial seven zero four eight seven five eight zero one zero. Or order online at the three w's dot thepowerherbs dot com. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Discount gold and silver trading.net or call 1 800 375 4188. 
1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. This is Financial Survival, brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver, 1-800-375-4188. My guest is James Corbett from the Corbett Report, C-O-R-B-E-T-T, report.com. And I've got an article here from 24hgold.com, Ghosts in the Machine, that talks about uh, Thomas Robert Malthus in 1798. 32-year-old British economist Malthus anonymously published an essay on the principle of population, and he argued that human populations increase geometrically, 1, 2, 4, 16, and so on, while the food supply can only increase arithmetically, 1, 2, 3, 4. Since food is obviously necessary for us to survive unchecked population growth in any one area or involving the whole planet would lead to individual pockets of humanity starving or even mass worldwide starvation. That was his content, his, his, uh, his argument. And he said at one point, the power of population is indefinitely greater than the power of the earth to produce subsistence for man. Again, this is Thomas Robert Malthus. And, again, and we are talking back near the time when this country was created, talking two centuries ago. Now, Malthus fell out of favor. He was the boogeyman. He said, oh, the whole thing's going up for grabs. And yet then, maybe in the 60s, 70s, no later than the 70s, science began to argue that Malthus was, mis- was incorrect, that we could keep up with population with genetically modified foods ultimately and whatever else, pesticides and so on. And more recently, he's coming back. People are beginning to say, oh, wait a second. We've kind of exhausted the green revolution. And it looks like maybe we are going to start running out of food and water and whatever. So what's your position on Malthus? Is is his idea still valid or is it you know, can science overcome? And if not, how long before we begin to see real trouble in this world? Well, thank you for this question. It is such an important question because I have no doubt that if listeners out there are at least around my age, they've probably been subjected to Malthusian propaganda their entire lifetimes and have subconsciously internalized the idea that we are about to run out of the last drop of water and about to run out of the last grain of rice and we're all on the edge of some sort of giant disaster. But as you point out, Thomas Malthus is writing over two centuries ago now, and he was predicting within a generation there would be uh, horrible effects, and we had to start doing things like putting poor people in marshy, boggy areas so that they would become more disease-prone.
bones so they would die off quicker so that they wouldn't be using up the food of the you know good respectable rich uh, people like himself so this is the mentality of Malthus and uh, the Malthusians who have come in his wake for the last two centuries running around like chicken littles saying every single generation this is the time it's going to happen it's going to happen and he ha has fallen in or out of favor from time to time but I would say definitely since the 1960s we've seen uh, a vehement return of the Malthusian propaganda line through people like Paul Ehrlich and people might remember back in 68 I believe he wrote the population bomb the bestseller yeah. about how there's going to be food riots in America in the 80s and and uh, by the year 2000 England will not exist was one of the predictions there um, he wrote before 1985 mankind will enter a genuine age of scarcity in which the accessible supplies of many key minerals will be facing depletion he was proven wrong on all of those points in spades. In fact, there was actually a famous wager that he made with an economist called Julian Simon, where they bet. Uh, the, the bet was that um, Ehrlich could choose any mineral, any raw material, and, uh, and Simon would bet that in 10 years' time, the, uh, the, the price would actually come down of that material. And so... Um, Ehrlich bought $1,000, or bought, in quotation marks, $1,000 worth of copper, chrome, nickel, and tin, tin and tungsten from Julian Simon in 1980, uh, sorry, in 1990 at 1980 prices. So they wagered over the course of the 1980s. And that $1,000 worth of material in 1980 prices was $576 in 1990 prices. So, again, uh, Ehrlich was proven wrong in that prediction as well. Time and time and time and time and time again, these predictions are proven wrong. And yet, time and time and time again, we, we keep getting fed the same thing. It's going, this disaster is right around the corner. It's going to happen. What we have here is the fact, the indisputable fact, that absolutely human population is growing. It will continue to grow, likely until the middle of the uh, century, at which point it will taper off and start actually declining. But until that point, it is growing. But so is the pie. The overall pie that we're baking continues to grow. We are, uh, there, there is enough food on the planet to feed everyone on the planet with no one starving to death. It is not a question of the actual supplies. It's a question of how they are distributed and, in, and basically where people are living and, and, and what kind of governments they're under. That type of thing determines the, uh, the economic conditions they're living in more so than the, uh, the, the Earth itself. I mean, is there a theoretical carrying capacity? Could we have a trillion people living on the planet happily? Well, of course not. But are we anywhere near that? There is absolutely no sign that we are. I would suggest if people are interested in this topic, I did a couple of uh, reports on this. One's called Bracing for Demographic Winter. The other is called The Last Word on Overpopulation. Uh, I think it's really important to confront this myth because, of course, what underlies this? What, what is the underlying urge for this? Why is it still promoted so heavily in the corporate and, and uh, establishment media? It's because it gives the, the would-be elites their chance to rule over the world and to, to bring about their, um, not only their one-world government in the name of, oh, oh, won't someone think of the children, we're all going to be overpopulated and die, but also to bring about the depopulation agenda, Prince Philip of course, said in 1988, in the event I am reborn, I'd like to return as a deadly virus in order to contribute something to solve overpopulation. And Ted Turner saying that a total world population of 250 million people would be ideal. Those types of, I mean, just unthinkable 
uh, advocation of slaughter of billions of people, basically, is what that amounts to. And, uh, and it's, it's all seen as, oh, well, it's for the good of humanity because of this uh, impending crisis. So I think it's a load of baloney, uh, scientifically, as well as just in terms of the philosophy behind it. But uh, it's important that we call that baloney out for what it is before it has a chance to do genuine damage to real human lives. I saw a report oh, a year or two ago and I can't tell you the source per se, I just remember the content and their argument was I never checked the math but I think I'm, I'm going to trust that this is valid their argument was that you could take all the people on the face of the earth and house them all in a suburban environment right? population comp comparable to a suburban environment, not urban, suburban, where we're all living in ranch houses and the rest of that sort of thing, we're all at our half acre or whatever. But you could put them all in a state the size of Texas, one giant, you know, megapolis, um, giant city the size of Texas, and you leave all the rest of the world uninhabited. Now, it seems to me if you've got that much uninhabited space in this world, you've got an opportunity for growing an awful lot of corn and wheat and whatever. Um, and it indicates it's consistent with what you're saying here. The world is not overpopulated to the extent many of us suppose. We get that impression, I think, from living, living in an urban environment. We live in the big city, and there's people all over, and uh, you, get, you, you begin to think, boy, this place is overpopulated. But in fact, there's a lot of wide open space in this world, and more than enough, probably, to grow crops for some time into the future. So it appears that you are correct, and Malthus is a boogeyman rather than... <laughs> Uh, a rash yeah, exactly. and you can probably say that may be true for most economists. How many are boogeymen, and how many are actually reasonable and rash? Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah. but but just just to clarify what you're saying there, I think that uh, that fit everyone in the state of Texas uh, ideas is thrown around so much that it probably isn't true. I would be surprised if they, uh, the numbers actually work out. But I think the point is there. Um, our perception of the fact that the world is so crowded is largely influenced by the fact that now the vast, the majority of the world's population lives in urban centers at this point, in urban areas at this point in time. Uh, for the first time in human history, the majority of the world's population now lives in cities. And uh, that obviously influences our perception of how much space actually exists. And people who go out into the countryside may just uh, take a moment to reflect on the, uh, the vast amounts of of un uninhabited land that exists right now. And I understand that a large section of that are not habitable, but still the point I think is there that there's a lot of room to grow. But I think there's another point to this as well, which is that, yes, the, the population is increasing right now and will is expected to reach 9, 9 billion by 2050, at which point it will start declining because of a phenomenon known as demographic winter. Basically, the birth rate is falling in every major industrialized nation below the replacement level of 2.1 children per family. And uh, this is really starting to take effect in countries like Japan, where I am, where, in fact, it is now literally a dying country. There are more deaths than births here each year. And we have an, another phenomenon that isn't reported on very much, but it is really shocking. In the last 50 years, the, uh, the, 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 the sperm levels of Western men have declined 
50% and yeah. 85% of the remaining sperm are abnormal. They are actually re- rejiggering the, uh, the, 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 the numbers that they use to calculate whether or not someone is infertile. They're, they're having to lower that every, every decade or so because the, the numbers keep <laughs> lowering. Like the unemployment rate and they uh, exactly, have yes. to re- readjust the mathematics to get the result they're looking for. Exactly right. I mean, it is a staggering phenomenon and obviously related to the, all of the, the chemical garbage that's being uh, put into our, our environment in so many different ways. But that issue is not looked at at all. It's hardly ever talked about. There was a really, really interesting documentary that appeared on the CBC in Canada a few years ago called The Disappearing Mail. I think it's still available online. Um, I, I would suggest people check it out. It's a, it's a very worrying phenomenon and I think related to that depopulation agenda that, uh, that we know that people like Ted Turner and Prince Philip and others are advocating. You know, I visited India years ago. I actually worked my way over there. I was like 19 years old, and I got a job on a on a tramp steamer and worked my way from Houston, Texas, through the Mediterranean and up to Calcutta, Madras, hauling grain over there. And one of the things that I realized, India was overpopulated then. Today it's even worse. All right. They had a high population, at least in parts. But the reason they could afford that much population is because it was an extraordinarily benign climate. You could sleep out on the street and it wasn't a problem. You didn't really need a house. Um, It was possible. And what it made me realize is that the only place you're really going to see overpopulation is in a very benign climate where you can perhaps pick fruit right off the tree. Not a problem. Just walk down the street. The fruit is there if you care to help yourself to it. And as a result, you might not need a house. On the other hand, if you get into a completely harsh climate, say the Arabian Desert. Northern Canada? Well, yeah. The same thing. I'm from Canada. So the population takes place in you know benign climates, that's, which is interesting. Um, at least to me. I'm not sure if that's interesting to anyone else, but it was interesting to me. Uh, other point is you're talking about Japan's problem, the demographic. I saw a report that they sell more adult diapers in Japan right now than they sell diapers for children. Which Unfortunately, is just, uh, that is true. Yeah. yeah. Just, that's an astonishing, you know, so, oh my God, how can that be? How possibly be? How do the people in Japan, we're going to run out of time here, we've got, what have we got, a minute and a half, something like that, minute, two minutes maybe left. How do the people of Japan respond to this? Do they have a sense of foreboding? You know, they're anticipating a grim future. Are they maintaining a stiff upper lip if they do that in Japan? How are they responding to this kind of information? I, I don't think many people are optimistic about the, the way this society is heading right now. Um, there may be people who hide their pessimism better than others, but I think that the overall idea is that, yes, this is, I mean, this is a country in crisis in a lot of ways. And it, I don't think it's um, openly discussed in those terms as much as you would think it would be. But it is, I mean, it is certainly something that's, that's dawning on a lot of people, especially now that, of course, all these pensioners are retiring and starting to, to um, cash in on their bonds rather than buy the bonds. This creates an economic problem for the government in trying to service its debt. It creates an economic burden on all of the young workers who are now supporting more and more pensioners. 
it's a system that is falling apart and is going to to really start falling apart in in uh, the coming years as this uh, demographic winter accelerates. So unfortunately, I don't think anyone sees a a ray of sunshine uh, coming through in in Japan right now. How long before we face a real crisis? We can see that something's coming. How long before we get to that get to that crisis day? Well. That's a, I mean, that's a broad question, but I mean, if, yeah. if the, the trends continue, you could say we're already on the brink of it. We're already uh-huh. stepping into it. It's just a question of when we start realizing that this is a crisis. And uh, I think that as long as the Malthusian propaganda that we're, we're still heading towards this uh, overpopulation crisis, as long as that is still the dominant narrative, then we haven't realized what really what the nature of this crisis is. Okay, James, thanks very much for being on the program. As always, James Corbett from the Corbett Report, C-O-R-B-E-T-T, report.com. I'm Alfred Addis. This is Financial Survival. We'll be back tomorrow. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, James, and Frank, the producer. Good night. and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement.
distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. You just defended yourself with a gun. The police are called and you're potentially involved in a homicide. But it was self-defense. At this point, you are not in your right mind. No one ever is when they are in fear for their life and defend themselves. Anything you say can will be used in the court of law, both civilly and criminally. Fortunately, you have selfdefensefund.com. We are the National Association for Legal Gun Defense, and we protect our members nationally in all 50 states, up to $1 million per incident per member. Let us do the talking for you and visit selfdefensefund.com. Any weapon, any state, any time. about where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time? I'd like to suggest Lumana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preserved or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com. N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com.
evening, all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is Wednesday, December 28, 2016, about nine minutes after 8 p.m., uh, 800-932-1980 is the call-in number. 800-932-1980, that is the call-in number. That'll get you on the air. TheAmericanVoice.com and AmericanVoiceRadio.com, AVRN1.com, and AVRN.TV. Uh, that's how you get to the website, so you can do that and everything you need to know. About this network is found on that website, and uh, we have a chat room, so you can participate in the show from there. Uh, welcome to everybody who's in the chat room right now. There's you know, more than a few people in there, and uh, you could be one of them. So join up the folks in there, and uh, you don't have to participate in the show. Just because you're in the chat room, you know, I mean, you know, asking questions, making comments, you don't have to do that. You can just socialize if you'd like. Talk about what you want with the other folks in there. You know, within reason, anyway. And, hey, you know what? You want to discuss something that, you know, probably shouldn't be discussed in polite company? Hey, there's a private messaging option in there where you can talk to somebody on the side where nobody else has to see, you know, the nasty, horrible, terrible things you're saying. There you go. See? All right. Let's see here. I see somebody in the uh, chat room has uh, looked at the same article that I had looked at earlier about NOAA, N-O-A-A, caught fiddling their climate data numbers to make the model and the evidence match. Yeah, well, they, they do the same things as the IRS does. You know, the IRS, they'll go, well, you know, we got this, and uh, it shows you made this much, but, you know, we've decided you made more, so we're adding that. And uh, they don't care. They just do what they want, just like all the government agencies are frauds, folks, and, and they're not going to stop until the people stop them. And, you know, it'd be nice to if we could do that peacefully. It'd be nice if we could do that in a legal, peaceful way, uh, and, and maybe we can. But then again, maybe we can't. And if we can't, then so be it. Then it turns to violence and death, okay? That's what revolutions are about. You know, I was watching something about the, uh, actually it was a sci-fi show, of course, that uh, in this episode they went back in time. And two of the characters had to, they got put back in time into the Civil War. And I forget which battle it was. It wasn't Gettysburg, but it was another nasty battle. And one of them was a, one of them was put back as a southern soldier, and one was put back as a northern soldier. And uh, uh, the one guy was a doctor. The the uh, rebel was a, a doctor, and the uh, the Union guy he he pretended that he you know he captured him, and you know instead of putting him killing him or putting him in a prison camp, he you know said he's a doctor. So, uh, you know, the thing about it is the point is the horrors of war, okay? And, you know, yeah, you might think, well, yeah, but that was back in the Civil War days, you know, out on the battlefield. Well, not a lot's changed. And nothing has changed if you run out of stuff. 
You know, they didn't have painkillers. They didn't have, you know, they had whiskey, all right? That's what they had for painkillers. And these guys were having to hack people's legs off to save their lives. They were going to die from gangrene, mostly. So they had to saw with a handsaw their leg off, and they had to do it with nothing but here. Take a couple of swigs of this whiskey and uh, bite down on this piece of wood. Wow. That's pretty harsh, man. And that's what war is, man. That's what war is. Don't don't fool yourself into thinking, well, yeah, let's just do that. Now, I mentioned, you know, if that's it, we go to war. And I don't say it lightly. I recognize what it means. And it's not good. That's why I really, really, really hope and pray that this can all be resolved peacefully. But if it can't be, I suggest war. And I don't suggest war where, oh, the northern and southern guys go and kill each other and things like that. No, I suggest we go get the people responsible. Okay? That means the suits and the ties behind the desks making the decisions that screw everybody over and start these wars in the first place. That's who I mean. Identify your enemy and target them. Not each other. You know, look, man, I don't care if you're black or you're white or you're Mexican or whoever you are. I don't even care if you're here illegally when it comes to this point. You are less of an enemy to me. Yeah, you might take my job because you're working it, and you'll work it for less than I am, and that might not be right, and it might not be fair, and it may be illegal. But it is what it is. Then we have the suits behind the desks making the decisions. What are they doing? They're giving my job away to a Chinese man. Why? Because they can make more money that way. They're feeding me crap that's going to make me sick. Why? So they can make more money selling me drugs. Folks, these people are all of our enemies. And I'm talking about the Harry Reeds, the Mitch McConnells, the Paul Rhinos, the Barack Obamas, the Hillary Clintons, all of them, the pieces of garbage sitting on the Supreme Court. Why do I call them pieces of garbage? Because they are the most dishonorable bunch of pukes I have ever come across in my knowledge. Because these people, they're supposed to be... The law is supposed to mean something. They're supposed to rule by the law. Not what they feel it might be best and, oh, it's socially acceptable. And times have changed, you know, and now it's okay to kill babies. No, it isn't okay to kill babies. No, it isn't okay for the government to march in and say, you know what? Uh, We think we can make more money uh, off of Walmart here than your house. So we're taking it and we're giving it to Walmart. No, that's not okay. And it's not the law either. And the 14th Amendment never ratified or... or, uh, said it's okay, oh yes, you can break the law, and you can be in this country illegally, and dump a kid here, and that kid's now a citizen, that's wrong, it's not right, and they know it's not right, because they also have the poison tree, oh, well, gee, then that means if I go rob a bank, and I get all the money, and I get away long enough to buy a car, buy a house, buy a boat, 
I get to keep all that stuff, right? Oh, sure, I might have to go to jail for robbing the bank, but I get to keep all the stuff because the money's gone now, right? I spent it. No, that's not right. They rule no. Uh Uh-uh, guess what? The boat, the house, the car? Oh, no, it all gets seized. That's right. Because it is the product of a crime. Just like that kid being dumped on the ground at the Mexican border on the U.S. side is a a direct gain from that crime. Because you see, you're in this country illegally. That child is here illegally too. But the Supreme Court bunch of lying criminals who are supposed to be honorable. They're supposed to be lawyers. They're supposed to uphold the law, and they don't. They have failed. I think they should all be hanged for treason right now, is what I think. Oh, sure, we can give them a speedy trial. You know what? We can give them a fair trial like they give everybody else. Yeah, go ahead, say your piece. Blah, 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 blah. You know what? Hey, that's a frivolous argument. You swinging, baby. Yeah, there's your fair speedy trial. But see, I don't get to be dictator, so we're not going to be doing that, I guess. But nevertheless, that's what I feel ought to be happening. Oh, but I did make a promise to you. I didn't really promise, but I did say that tonight I'd say I'd, I'd do this article on the 13 steps to prepare for civil unrest. Hey, that was a pretty good lead-in to civil unrest, don't you think? Anyway, uh, let's see. I guess this person here who wrote this, uh, uh, well, gee, I don't know if this is, it says posted by, but I don't know if that's posted by or not, but I guess we'll get to it here uh, towards the end. If I don't see anything else, uh, then I'll give the credit to the person who posted it, but We'll read through it first. It's been a few years since I wrote about the perfect storm of civil unrest. Looking back, it would be easy to think that perhaps the article was a bit reactionary given current events at the time. On the other hand, not a whole lot has changed since then. These are still uneasy times. Yeah, that's the way to put it, I suppose. Uh, hmm... Yeah, the the end times, yes, the collapse of Western civilization, yeah, I guess you could say that's a little uneasy. The names and faces of the powers that be may be different, but the actions are the same. Normal, ordinary, middle-class families are still struggling, and corporate corruption, hidden agendas, and cover-ups are still commonplace. Now, the threat of an Ebola or other pandemic, global economic collapse, severe weather shortages, uh, severe weather shortages, and immigration border woes simply add to our concern about the future. Fear, sickness, and deprivation evoke chaos. And as we reach that tipping point, it seems only prudent to prepare for civil unrest, riots, looting, crimes against persons, domestic terrorism, and more. Today, I take another look at the potential for a perfect storm. In doing so, I have updated and expanded upon the steps we can take now to prepare for civil unrest. One, ensure that your basic preparations and backup supplies are in order. This includes an adequate supply of food, water, and sanitation supplies. Two weeks 
is a bare minimum. Three months is or more is better. Well, two weeks is a ridiculous. You know what? You're not prepared for anything in two weeks. I would say 30 days is the bare minimum, and I mean bare minimum, because 30 days, uh, you know, isn't very long, but it will. Now, look, hey, even two weeks, I just don't think it's long enough, but 30 days, if you can survive for the first 30 days of a complete collapse or whatever other kind of emergency, your your uh, chances of survival are greatly, greatly, greatly uh, enhanced compared to if you didn't. Because, you see, if you're prepared, what that means is you don't have to go out in the mess. And that doesn't matter if you live in a rural area and got to go into town for your supplies and you don't want to because town is burning. Or if you live in town where town is burning, unless your apartment's on fire, you need to stay in there. Okay? You just, hey, out of sight, out of mind, right? You stay behind closed doors, your curtains shut, nobody knows you're there, you keep it quiet, you can survive. And people got to start realizing the difference between living and surviving. You know, living is when you, you know, you go about your normal stuff and you're not, you know, you go downtown, you do your things and all that. That's not surviving. Surviving is uh, just, it's all about just staying alive. And people have a hard time with this concept because most folks in this country have never been in the situation where, you know, you you make a small mistake and you may be dead, okay? That's just not the, you know, that's not the civilization we've been living in. But when it comes to survival, that is how it is. You know, I was, uh, you know, hitchhiking around, living on the street. I almost died uh, one time of, uh, I almost died many times, but one time I almost froze to death because I made a mistake and I wasn't prepared. Only by the grace of God did I stay alive and a lot of walking. Yeah, I got in a car oh, down in Tennessee, I believe it was. It was raining, had been raining all night. You know, I slept in a wet sleeping bag in the whole nine yards, but I was at least warm. It was winter time, but I was in Tennessee. It wasn't bad, so I woke up in the rain, rolled up my wet sleeping bag with all my other wet stuff, stuck it in my bag, and uh, got a ride. Well, I got a ride in a pickup truck, threw my stuff in the back, and this was a long ride. Well, something like 800 or so miles because where I got let off was in the middle of Pennsylvania. Well, normally you get let off, you know, in a town or something like that. But, see, in these big wide areas, they have these interstates that cross each other. And there isn't really a town there. There's just two interstates in the middle of nowhere that cross each other. And you can get off of one onto the next to go the other direction, right? Well, we got up to Pennsylvania, and that's what happened. We got to one of these things, and he was going one way, I was going the other, so he stopped the truck, and I got out. Well, it was about midnight, because 800 miles, long way to go, took a long time to get there, and, you know, now I'm in Pennsylvania. Well, the weather in Pennsylvania is a lot different than the weather in Tennessee. Uh, It's a lot colder, and it was midnight, and I grabbed my bag out of the back of the uh, pickup truck, and gee golly, guess what happened? 
Yeah, it was frozen solid. Yeah, all my clothing and my sleeping bag. Frozen frozen solid, man. Block ice. Okay, so here I am. It's the middle of, you know, it's midnight. There's really hardly any cars. And the wind is blowing and there's snow on the ground. It's blowing all the snow around. It's really bitter cold. So I'm sitting underneath the uh, overpass. And I'm starting to get really cold. And I'm thinking, gee, you know, if I stay here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just freeze to death. I don't know what to do. There's nobody around. I can't even ask anybody for help. Well, you know, because they are interstates and everybody's going 60, 70 miles an hour, and it's not an exit, really. It's uh, more of a really long, like, uh, mile-long exit ramp that has you know, a real slight curve to it because it is going in another direction. But they make them so you can keep your speed up. You don't have to slow down like you do at exits to get off in a town or something. You're supposed to be able to keep up your normal highway speed while you change from one interstate to the next, right? So they're really long, and they're lit. So I decided, well, I'm just going to walk up and down here and leave my bag under here, the frozen block of ice, and I'm just going to start walking to the end of this entrance ramp, and then I'll walk back, and then I, and I did that all night long, and it kept me alive, because if I had just decided to go ahead and lay down under the bridge, I would have froze to death. See, stuff happens, and nature will kill you. If, if you stay, you know, when you're in a situation of survival, you make, you make even a little mistake. It could kill you. All right? Taking that ride before I dried my sleeping bag, like I probably should have, was a mistake that almost killed me. And that's how survival is. So, you know, if you know this and you prepare, and you can't always prepare for everything, and, you know, there's gonna, you're probably going to end up in a situation where, uh-oh, I could die. Well, <laughs> yeah, you could. And, uh... Anyway, so there you go. I, I just want to give you real stories and, and real encouragement about how important, at least I feel it is, for people to prepare, all right? Because you might not think it can happen to you, it can't happen here, it can't happen to me, but I'm here to tell you, yeah, it can happen here and it can happen to you. And you can die a lot easier than you think you can, you know, but... Preparation is a really good way, you know, to boost your odds. There's no guarantees, but, hey, you know what? You can boost your odds. Number two, take stock of your first aid kit and medical supplies, including necessary prescription drugs, which I'm against, and I don't think you should. And, folks, I think what you should do, this is my opinion, is that you should start looking into alternative things like herbs, Okay? And get them on hand. For instance, for example, cayenne tincture. You know, you worried about having a heart attack? I mean, hey, look, Carrie Fisher just had a heart attack. Uh, Debbie Reynolds just had a stroke. You know, so it happens. And you know what? Cayenne, and I say tincture just because it's easier to take, but you know what? You think you're having a heart attack or something, you, you choke down some of that stuff, yeah, it'll burn you a little bit, but you know what? 
it has been shown in many people might not work for you, but then again, hey, maybe the prescriptions won't work for you either. It can save your life. Not saying it will, but it could. So I would do that because uh, chances are they're going to be, well, tinctures have a really long shelf life. Prescription drugs don't. But medical supplies, remedies, and prescription drugs will likely be in short supply and civil unrest. You think? I'm glad they say remedies. I guess that's their way of saying natural things like herbs. Because, you know, you don't want to say that because, oh, you're one of those crazy people. Learn homesteading skills and self-sufficiency skills regardless of whether you are living in an apartment, condo, house, or rural homestead. Well, that's good advice. But, you know, folks, learn something. Learn goal-oriented things. Okay? Like, what do you want to do? Learn how to do it. Then think of something else you want to do, and then learn how to do it. Don't don't get into the mistake of going, okay, I'm going to learn how to homestead. And you go buy an encyclopedia on everything you need to know about homesteading. Go buy the Firefox, uh, you know, book uh, set. Well, uh, those are about, I don't know, 10 books or something, and it's really thick, and it's a lot of information, and uh, you're probably not going to learn it all. So, focus. Become goal-oriented. What do I want to do? What do I think I'm going to need to do? Hey, maybe I'm going to need to know how to grow stuff. Well, learn how to do that. Hmm, maybe I'm going to have to learn how to get water, you know, if the faucet stops working. Learn how to do that. There's lots of different ways to get water. There's water in the air all over the place, okay? And you can you can capture it. You can capture enough to live on. Now, chances are you're not going to be happy. You're probably going to be a little dehydrated. You might start getting sick, but you probably won't die. And we go back to the whole survival thing. This isn't about comfort. This isn't about convenience. This is about staying alive. Because once the emergency's over, you can get back to getting back to it. Rather than just going, okay, good, I'm not almost going to die, you know, now. Anyway, we're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a bit.
people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Aspen mistake. Aspen was discovered by mistake during World War II and suppresses your immune system and prevents blood clotting. Don't expose your body to risk when you can use a natural inflammation and pain reliever called Extra Strength Pain Relief by Apothecary Herbs. Discover the power this formula has with salicin to enter the system in 60 seconds to work hard and relieve pain for 12 hours. Whether it's arthritis, sports injury, or flu, you can relieve aches, pain, and swelling with our Extra Strength Pain Relief Formula. Call Apothecary Herbs now, toll free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3w.thepowerherbs.com. Burn the bridge, show me no way back. Burn the bridge, show me no way back. Burn the bridge, show me no way back. Burn the bridge.
All right, we're back. Hey, you getting the picture? <laughs> okay. I mean, uh, the idea of burning the bridge so there's no way back. Yeah, that that's the whole thing that I'm worried about, about this whole Donald Trump thing. I mean, I'm glad that uh, Hillary Clinton didn't get elected, but, you know, he said he's going to drain the swamp. Now he says he ain't, and um, I, I didn't think draining the swamp was a great idea in the first place. The swamp ain't the problem. It's the alligators in the swamp, and they all need to be chopped up and made into luggage. Okay, that that's what needs to happen. You, you drain the swamp if you want. It's the alligators need to go. And that's what's running around. But, hey, I go back to my dad's, you know, uh, solution to it. Build a big fence around Washington, D.C., lock them in, and call it prison. Anyway. So, anyhow, it's still Wednesday, December 28th, uh, 2016. About 844 out here in the Pacific Time Coast. You want to call in 800-932-1980. Although I am going through this 13 steps to prepare for civil unrest. It's pretty good. Uh, you know, look, there's nothing you're going to read anywhere, no matter how much you read, that's going to cover every possible thing that could ever happen in a thing of a civilizational collapse, okay? Uh, that's the whole thing about you've got to you've got to know this stuff, and the reason isn't so you got it memorized. You know, to me, that's like people who memorize the Bible, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with memorizing verses out of the Bible. I'm just saying if that's all you're doing, uh, I think you could do better because memorizing something you don't have to know it to memorize it. Okay, you don't have to know how to you don't have to know how to do multiplication to memorize your times tables, do you now? If you just memorize, well, 2 times 2 is 4 and you memorize your times tables, you don't even have to know how to do multiplication to that extent. You just got it memorized. And when somebody says, "Well, how do you know that?" Well, it just is. I memorized it. I saw it written down, and that's how it is. Well, what happens if something else happens? Oh, uh, what? What do you mean, something else? Well, hey, two times four uh, divided by three equals what? Well, if you don't know how to do math, and you've just memorized your multiplication tables, you can seem pretty smart, but... If there's anything out of the ordinary, you're not gonna you're gonna be lost. It's the same thing with preparation. I mean you can read a lot of things, but you actually got to get your hands on some of it. Okay? And that doesn't mean you gotta know everything or tried everything or done everything, but you've got to do something and you've got to get confident. Look, when things fall apart, it's not the time to learn about all this stuff. Now is the time to learn. Make hay while the sun is shining. Anyway, let's get on to some of this stuff here. Uh, yes, take uh, stock of your first aid, I think. Uh, learn homesteading skills is where we left off. Now, homesteading skills, here's some suggestions about that. Because, you know, I mean, look, it's pretty self-explanatory. If you live in a rural area and you're into preparation and rural living, you're probably already doing some uh, homesteading 
where you're at. Probably got a garden, you might have some livestock, you probably either have a well or a catchment system, you're doing something for water. You know, you probably have candles, batteries, things like that on hand just because you live in a rural area and hey, stuff happens. But it doesn't matter, even if you live in a in a in a suburban area, you can still do some things like create a porch garden using pots, buckets, and that little patch of land that barely qualifies as a yard. <laughs> yeah, you can do that. Learn how to sprout seeds. Don't go out and buy the plants, and, and that's easy and stuff. And if you've already sprouted seeds and you've already done that, and it's not an emergency, and geez, you know, I can go down and buy 10 tomato plants already, you know, a foot high, and that makes my life easy, fine. Do that. I don't have anything against that. As long as you know how to save a tomato seed, you know, a tomato seed properly. Because you don't just uh, open them up and get the seeds, okay? You got to rinse them and you got to do stuff or else they will not sprout. Then again, you know, I mean, you can save them wrong. If you save enough of them, some of them are going to sprout. But if you want a more, you know, percentage of seeds that actually will sprout, then you got to do it right. Anyway... Forage for food in unlikely places, like uh, blackberries along the road. See, where I live, we got blackberries. Every irrigation ditch anywhere has blackberries just going crazy, okay? Build a food storage pantry, okay? This is kind of a no-brainer. If you've got the room, you've already done it. But look, every house, every apartment even has a, a, a closet. Get some shelves in that closet. Store some food in there. Okay? And get get some big bulk items. I mean, like, uh, you know, on the floor, you can, gosh, on the floor of even a closet, you could probably, I don't know, um, probably save a couple hundred pounds of beans and rice. And then fill up your shelves with stuff that goes with beans and rice. Okay? <laughs> but do this. Do this now. You know, hey, while the sun is shining. Start cooking your own food from scratch. Get used to it. Okay? And if you already know how, then, you know, you know how, you know how. These are for people who, you know, have been eating out of cans and bags and uh, the drive through and now they realize, hey, you know what? Something bad could happen here. I, I need to I need to figure out how to do stuff. Well, hey, start learning how to cook stuff. Simple things, okay? Like, uh, oh, I don't know, beans and rice. Experiment. What's the quickest way to cook rice? You know, what uses the least amount of fuel? Which, folks, you're going to have to also think about that. Having a food pantry isn't, isn't going to do you any good if you can't cook any of it. Okay. Uh, anyway, so um, use herbal remedies and essential oils to relieve common ailments. Make your own cleaning products. Uh, air dry your bedding outdoors. You know, get used to not using the dryer because there may not be electricity. Make your own personal care products. Lotions, potions, soaps, salves, bombs, things like this. Uh well, use cloth instead of paper. You know, this is napkins, rags, diapers, the whole nine yards. And, and you know, 
I'm not saying that, oh, well, you know, just, uh, although, you know, baby diapers, the, the disposable baby diapers, I guess, are the purge on the earth or something because they just never go away. Anyhow, let's get on here. Inventory the security features in your home uh-huh, to determine weaknesses that need to be strengthened. Well, let's see here. Secure your doors with multiple locking mechanisms. Yeah, it's an annoyance to carry multiple keys, but why make it easy for the bad guys? A deadbolt is essential, and even two would not be excessive. Uh, make sure the locks are difficult to pick. Well, you know, look, if somebody knows how to pick locks, they can pick pretty much any lock. But, then again, having multiple locks, that's going to take more time. And most uh, people who are going to try to break in your house aren't, aren't lock pickers, okay? They're window breakers and kick-in-the-door guys, all right? And deadbolts make it more difficult to kick in doors. Now, if you have the opportunity to switch your doors around, I would do so. And this means your entry doors. Make them open to the outside. Why is that? Well, because, you see, then when you shut the door, it will have a stop all the way around it. Well, except maybe on the bottom. Okay? When a door opens inside, it's easier to kick in than a door that opens outward. I think this is, a you know, all doors that everybody builds for houses all open inwards. And I think this is on purpose myself, but I'm conspiracy-minded. But, you know, the, the fact is, doors that open outwardly are harder to kick in. And a door that has, you know, a couple of deadbolts and a lock that opens outward, uh, that's a tough day for uh, anybody breaking in. And by the time they do, if you're around and we're talking about the collapse of uh, civilization, you're probably going to be at home. And if you are and somebody starts that mess while you're sleeping or something, you're probably going to hear it. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, consider an alarm system of some kind. And I'm not talking an alarm system that is silent and only rings down at some office in town or something, because uh, that's not going to do you any good uh, during the collapse of civilization. An alarm system that goes, uh, 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 that you can hear. Maybe it's a dog, okay? If you live out somewhere, you know, I get a dog. And by the way, folks, don't don't put too much burden on your dog, meaning don't expect your dog to defend you, okay? I know people buy big dogs and, and pit bulls and all this stuff, and uh, they figure, well, you know, hey, a big, mean, crazy dog is, uh, you know, going to protect me. No, no, it isn't. You know why? Because man is still has dominion over all the animals, and a man who knows this will kill a dog in a heartbeat. With his bare hands if he has to, okay? Man against dog, dog loses all the time, every time. Unless you're scared and you start running from a dog, then they'll tackle you and they'll chew you up. But you stand and, and say, okay, bring it, dog. The dog is a dead dog. So don't depend on your dog to defend you. Depend on your dog to warn you. Then you go defend the dog. 
and everybody else at your house. That's what you're there for, not the dog, okay? Your family safety is not the dog's responsibility. It's your responsibility. The dog can help you out by warning you. Anyway, uh, anyhow, uh, be wary of people that come to the door that say, yeah, well, <laughs> that makes me laugh. But, of course, you should be wary of strangers that come to your door. Anyhow, let's see here. Where else are we uh, going here? Set up your personal defense system. Yeah. Uh, apply for a concealed weapons permit, stock up on ammo, practice shooting at the range if you need it, invest in pepper spray, uh, bully, cl- uh, bully clubs, bully clubs, I call them billy clubs, billy clubs, but hey, whatever, slingshots, and other tools that will arm you against the bad guys. Hey man, you know what, a slingshot's a great thing to have, because uh, I don't know how good anybody is out there throwing rocks, but uh, I grew up throwing rocks, but a slingshot... Man, you get hit with a rock coming out of a slingshot, man. Boy, oh boy, that's not something that you want happening a lot of times to you. Man, if it happens in your head, you're probably not going to be conscious uh, for a while. Maybe never, because uh, they, they can really put out the rocks. And, you know, hey, if you want to get fancy, you can get a bag of ball bearings or something, or marbles even. And uh, I used to use marbles. I used to love those, like, glass marbles. I used to shoot them out as a kid, shoot them out of my my uh, slingshot against a wall, and they shattered. That yeah, was cool. Anyway, yeah, I had a lot of fun as a kid. Uh, let's see, where are we here? Oh yeah, it's uh, you know what? Pepper spray. Pepper spray is a great thing to have, and you know, but some places they're like, eh, you know, that's a weapon that's deadly, and you know, you're going to be in trouble or whatever. Uh. You know, there are other things around, too. Get creative, folks. Like, for instance, uh, you got any wasp spray around your house? Or, well, people don't use hairspray, I guess, anymore. Uh, but wasp spray, you don't want to get that in your eyes or anything. And keep it by your door. Somebody comes to your door giving you trouble, spray them in the face with some wasp spray. And then beat them down with your billy club. You know, I mean, hey. <laughs> Sorry, but... You know, you can use, anything can be used as a weapon. They call it assault wasp spray, okay, if you'd like. You know, and hairspray, oh, man. See, as a kid, if you got a lighter and some hairspray, hey, guess what? You've got a flamethrower now. That's real problems for people. <laughs> anyway, stockpile cash and small bills, and, and not that much either, because, look, if civilization collapses, cash is only going to hold its value for so long. So you really don't need to have that much. I mean, when I say not that much, you know, I'm not talking like a thousand bucks. But you know, depending on how rich you are, you know, if you're really rich, maybe five thousand bucks. But no more than that under any circumstances would I hold cash because I just don't trust it to hold its value. You want something that's going to hold its value as far as monetary things go: gold and silver. You know, and some cash though. That doesn't mean don't have any cash on hand. You should, and in small bills. All right, and let's move on here. Uh, okay, it says form a community of like-minded people that will band together. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm uh, I'm not as enthusiastic about that as a, as most writers really are. Uh, because what I figure is now, 
is not the time to form groups, survival groups with your neighbors. Now, that doesn't mean not to talk to your neighbors and know who they are and maybe float a question here or there and go, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, collapse, boy, I'm glad I live out here where we can store food and stuff, yeah. And, you know, just get the feel that who's prepared and who's not, that's all. Because, you see, now, I don't believe now, and I could be wrong, and you can have a differing opinion because it's just, you know, how you go about things, but I think... Now is not the time to be forming security groups with your neighbors because you know what? The fact of the matter is you can't trust them now because you don't know no matter what they say and no matter how they act now, you don't know how they're going to act and how they're going to be when the poop really hits the fan and things really go south for the whole country. You don't know how they're going to act. And until you know how they're going to act, you really don't want to associate yourself too closely with people until you see how they act. And you know what? You want to only associate with people who have something to offer you. And they should view you in the same way. And that's why you should follow this plan so you have something to offer that you are valuable. Okay? You don't want any dead weight. All right? That's why I, you know, I'm not forming up groups with anybody now because I don't know how you're going to act when things go bad. I don't know if you're going to be a friend or a foe. And I don't want you knowing anything about me until I know that. I know, it's a little paranoid and a little standoffish, but, uh, you know, a little unsociable. But that works okay for me. Uh, it might not for you. And if you really can trust your neighbors and you feel that you can anyway, and, uh, you know, fine, give it a choice, a chance. But you know what? I would still be very careful with sensitive information. Like, where's the ammo? Where's the food? Where's the guns? You probably want to keep that to yourself. No matter how friendly you might think you are with your barbecue and neighbors. Honestly, folks, use your head. Everybody is... you got to look at everybody as a threat or a potential threat. I know that kind of sucks, but it's true, and that's how you have to do it if you want to survive. Anyhow, I'll be back again tomorrow. Thanks for listening, as always. and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement.
Organic Sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
politician. Who are you? What are you about? What do you believe about America? Is it true? Are you helping to divide us more? Are you helping to bring us together? Do you really understand what this country is all about? the 1990s, you were bound to invariably come across the sound of a captivating voice in the wilderness. That authoritative and self-assured voice for five nights a week would educate us, enlighten us, and most importantly, warn us of things to come. So they disguised their true intent and their true teachings, the esoteric, with a system of exoteric. I couldn't talk. 
So I told the officer Derek that I'd seen something about 15 degrees off the port bow at a relative distance of about two and a half nautical miles. And uh, uh, he began to look in that area. And the starboard lookout had heard me tell him this, and he began to look over there. Um, and it did something that, that, as far as I knew, was absolutely impossible. I'd been in the Air Force, I'd worked on the state of the art of our, of our uh, aviation capabilities, and here I was on the deck of a submarine in the conning tower, and I knew what we had to be able to have to go underwater, and I knew that the two were incompatible. Here's something that came from under the water and flew in the air and performed maneuvers, and then came back down and interfaced with the water at tremendous speed uh, and remained intact. Uh, which, realistically, it, it, it never touched the water. The water sort of magically opened up in front of it, but something had to interface with that water. Anything that we had that interface with the water in that manner would have been disintegrated. It's like hitting a brick wall. So I was looking at a technology that as far as our laws of physics and what we knew at that time didn't exist. This was in 1966. But when we reached Pearl Harbor, we were not allowed to go ashore to, um, to uh, go on liberty, even though we didn't have the duty. And about two hours after we berthed uh, at the submarine base, a commander from the Office of Naval Intelligence came on board and uh, debriefed each one of us individually in the captain's stateroom. And the, uh, the ultimate outcome of the debriefing was that uh, we didn't see anything, we didn't hear anything, and we had to read rules and regulations uh, that told us that if we ever talked about what it was that we didn't see, uh, that we could uh, be imprisoned, uh, we could be fined uh, $10,000, we could lose all pay allowances due ever to become due. And I learned at that moment that the United States Navy didn't want anybody to know um, about what we saw and that uh, severe consequences could come down around the neck of anybody who did. This one event had started Bill on what would become a lifelong quest that would lead him into investigative territories such as extraterrestrial life, high-level government cover-ups, and the role secret societies play in all these scenarios. Bill had begun to publicly discuss his findings only to lose his leg after being forced off the road by people who would later visit him in the hospital telling him to keep quiet. Bill went public once again made sure this time he was protected. Uh, orig originally back, I guess when Bill was first starting to release all of this material, uh, he had released a document called The Secret Government, uh, subtitled The Origin, Identity, and Purpose of MJ-12. And Bill had spent a considerable amount of his fortune at that time, or there was any fortune, but um, a considerable amount of his money to into the tens of thousands of dollars to get this document released and disseminated across North America and the world. So he had mailed it to all sorts of congressmen, uh, key political figures, as well as some uh, friends and family and things like that, just so people would have this document in their hands. Uh, and that's how I protected myself, or at least that's what I thought would protect me, and so far it's proven to be right, was that if I got literally in front of the public overnight, in front of a large public, um, but they wouldn't do anything to me because it would substantiate what it was that I'm saying. And they certainly don't want to do that. 
but also create a martyr. And martyrs create tremendously dangerous political movements that they don't want that either. Mm -hmm. um, so literally, within a 24-hour period, I spent $27,000 mailing a thick packet of information all over the world to people I never heard of, didn't know, we went down and got some mailing lists and just mailed the stuff all over the world. And I've been in front of the public ever since. So I think basically those are the reasons. They don't believe that the public's really going to listen to me, and so far that's, that's been true. There is a small group of people all over the world who are awakening, mm -hmm. who are beginning to understand that they've been living their life in fantasy land, and who are actively seeking the truth. But by and large, when, when the secret power structure says, as I've put in the first chapter of my book, right out of one of their own technical manuals, that a nation, a world of people who do not use their intelligence are no better than animals who do not have intelligence and thus are stakes on the table by choice and consent. They're absolutely right about the majority of people. Bill was fighting for his life back in those days. And he needed some way to get the information out to a large number of people. And keep in mind, this was in the days long before the Internet. So there was no real uh, practical, very easy way for people to do this kind of dis disseminating their information or, or documents that they had. It was very difficult back in those days, and the only way would have been through probably the printed word would have been the easiest way. So that's what Bill had done. He had made many, many copies of this secret government. The secret government was an amalgamation of Bill's continued research into UFO phenomena and was first introduced at the Mufon Symposium on July 2nd, 1989 in Las Vegas, Nevada. The document highlighted his research into the UFO crash in the late 40s in Roswell, New Mexico and documents that alluded to President Truman's knowledge of extraterrestrial life and his administration's efforts to keep it quiet. Cooper had seen these documents while serving in naval intelligence. But eventually, when they began to have confidence in me, uh, I began to see things coming across my desk that were just absolutely incredible. And, and a lot of it is, is really hard to talk about because it's so far uh, outside the normal concept of reality for the average American that, um, that they're going to find a hard time uh, believing any of it. Mm -hmm. But I saw documents that were uh, labeled uh, under the classification top secret and uh, the compartmentalized uh, the compartment that that was put into, it was called MAGIC, M-A-J-I-C, mm -hmm. um, which told me that, uh, that UFOs were real, which I already knew, I'd seen one. Right. Uh, but this went farther than that. It told me that they were extraterrestrial in origin, that there were four different extraterrestrial uh, species or races visiting this earth, uh, and that they had actually entered into an agreement with the United States government with one of these uh, species, um, of alien beings to exchange technology and they told me all the projects that that uh, was underneath this. Uh, uh, Project Red Light was actually the testing of extraterrestrial craft. Um, uh, project Plato was a diplomatic project. Uh, Pounce was the recovery of technology. Uh, Pluto was the uh, the application of that technology to our own secret space program, not the public space program. There are two different space programs. One is the, what the public gets to see, mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, overseen by NASA, 
and the other one is a secret space program that nobody gets to see, which is really overseen by um, uh, the Navy Department uh, under under specialized, uh, uh, compartmentalized black projects. I also saw uh, documents under an operation called Operation Majority, which uh, outlined the plans to bring together a one-world government and also included extraterrestrial information within that. Um, uh, project Grudge, which was um, the second project. First was Sign and then Project Grudge which contained all of the extraterrestrial information up to a certain point, I forget the year cutoff, and then it was contained after that in another project uh, called Project Aquarius, which was the accumulation of the whole history of alien inter interaction on, on planet Earth. Um, but I have to say at this point that I don't know if those documents were really telling the truth or not. They could have been showing me these things so that eventually I would go out and talk about this. And uh, maybe that will become clear to you later why they may have done that. Um, it could be real. So. Bill, at this time, was acquiring a reputation as a UFO specialist. Unlike others in the movement at that time, Bill's credibility was unique because of his experience in naval intelligence. In the late 1990s, however, Bill reconsidered much of what he was saying as his research led him to believe the technology he and others were witnessing may have been the creation of our own government, created and tested in areas such as the infamous Groom Lake, Area 51 in Nevada, where Bill filmed his documentary, Project Red Light. Bill was actually the first one to go to Area 51 and start filming some of these UFOs or alien spacecraft, whatever they may have been. Bill always maintained that it was a military base, which it is. We all know that now. In the early days, the uh, U.S. military refused to even acknowledge it existed until Bill Cooper got an aerial a satellite photograph from the Russians, which proved it existed. We could see the uh, landing strips, all this kind of stuff, and clearly there were there was some sort of infrastructure there. There were buildings, and something was happening. So Bill decided... In, for a number of years was taking expeditions up to Area 51 and he would take people there and maybe one night they wouldn't see anything at all but most nights uh, there was some UFO activity. Doyle Shamley, a Gulf War veteran and Army reservist, had paralleled Bill's quest for answers. The two met at a research conference Doyle had been arranging and soon the two became tight research allies. Doyle would eventually leave the reserve and join Bill in Arizona to conduct full-time research up until Bill's death. Then he, he realized his research at the time was heavily with uh, Lars Hansen and many of them in the UFO realm. And he realized that most of them, and a lot of them upon admittal, and I have the documents, admitted to being working for either in the past or still being on CIA payroll. And he exposed them heavily. <laughs> speaking engagements and accuse them of falsifying uh, facts, as they call them, to steer people away from an eventual finding out of all the facts and sending down all these wild goose chases. In all the history of the world, if we were really being visited by extraterrestrial life, don't you think we would have found one by now? Don't you think so? Well, I'm It's in the middle of nowhere. There's a farm in 
gets there before he can get from his cow to the bedroom. <laughs> 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 it's ridiculous, and I shudder to think that in the beginning, when I first came public, I may have been misleading somebody along those lines that, that this whole thing is being brought about by extraterrestrials. I think some of us were really used in the service of our country and very angry about that. He then realized that the scope of it was not going to be handled by just searching the paranormal. We had to get more into our worldly realm right here, right now, the politics, the economics. And that's when he shifted more towards government type studies. In the history of the world, there had never been a people who were truly free or who truly ruled themselves until the United States of America was created as a republic by which we rule ourselves through elected representatives who we sent to the state house here in the states or, or to Congress um, to do it. It also gave us every tool by which we would destroy ourselves if we weren't capable of doing it. The United States and France, the revolution of this country and the revolution of France were created to bring about governments which would function as the antithesis to the kings and queens of the world and cause them to topple off their thrones. It also gave man a chance to prove once and for all whether he could rule himself or not. And if he could, fine, that would be the new world order. If he couldn't, built the tools into the Constitution to allow them to take it away from us. And those tools are the creation of the federal democracy within the boundaries of Washington, D.C., and the right to contract, through which if we were irresponsible, we would contract to receive rights from that federal democracy and thus in return give up our freedom. And that's exactly what's happening. After lecturing, releasing documents, and doing talk radio for a number of years, Bill had finally synthesized his research, life experiences, and philosophical insights into what would become one of the most popular underground conspiracy books of all time. Behold a Pale Horse. Beyond a doubt, I think the work that introduced Bill Cooper to the world has to be Behold a Pale Horse. Now, Bill had released a, a lot of other documents and things, but uh, up until 1991, when the book was published, self-funded, by the way, the book starts out with Bill describing himself, uh, who Bill Cooper is. He was re reared in an Air Force family, goes th through his early childhood years up to when he came back from Vietnam, and then where he got all of this information that he was putting into his book and why he felt compelled that he had to release this information. This title is, is from the book of Revelations because I, I have to tell you this, and, and you may think I'm nuts if you want to, uh, but this is the truth. Either these men are following the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is, is, it is in, the, in the Bible. Mm -hmm. They're either following it just like a plan and bringing the prophecies in there to pass to manipulate and control those who believe in those prophecies and neutralize them, so to speak. In other words, uh, if this is written in the Bible and God has ordained it, who am I to resist? It must come to pass, so I'm not going to try to stop it. Okay. 
been a perfect way to neutralize the opposition right off the bat. Or, there really is a God, and what he said was going to come to pass is coming to pass. And I named this, Behold a Pale Horse, from um, chapter 13 of the book of Revelations, the fourth horse, the fourth horseman of the apocalypse is the pale horse. And I looked, and behold a pale horse, and his name that sat upon him was death, and hell followed with him, and power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth, to kill with sword, and with hunger, and with the beasts of the earth. And that is taking place now today. The fourth horseman is riding across the world now. That's what AIDS is all about. That's what all these little brush fire wars all over the world are all about. That's what's happening. That's why cancer cures are suppressed. So it's not hidden at all. It's there for anybody who wants to look. Then I get people who still come to me all the time and say, Billy, all want it's the Jews. The Jews are subverting the world. No, it's not the Jews. It's not the Catholics. It's not the blacks. It's these men who belong to the ancient mystery schools who meet in secret inside the fate of the world. And they belong to all different races and all different nationalities and all different religions to the public point of view. But in secret, it's a different story. Bill's second major contribution, and arguably his most compelling, was the 42 hours worth of dedicated broadcasts into the history, origins, and agendas of secret societies. The series was simply called Mystery Babylon, and began with an interpretation of the Stanley Kubrick classic 2001, A Space Odyssey. To simplify, I guess we could say that Bill took us on a journey through the language, religion, uh, and symbology of of the elite, the power structure. What do these people believe? He started out with something modern and then took us way back into the ancient texts uh, of the, the mystery schools, ancient Egypt, some of the, uh, the beliefs and mythology of ancient Egypt, tons and tons of Masonic works and uh, other mystery texts. are all one and the same, and you will come to them. 
because one thing I have learned in my life is that most of what we have ever been taught has been a lie. And that whoever these people are, who are the priests, the adepts, the initiates, the mystery schools, they are in control and they are shaping the future and that future will affect all of us and we had better learn as much about them as we can. One of the, the brilliant things about Bill was that he was able to fluidly switch between what he was reading to when he was commenting so that sometimes it was imperceivable. He had such a uh, fantastic grasp of uh, the English language that he could speak to you almost the same way that these ancient texts did. We have to be very careful about how we interpret what we read, especially the Bible. And I'll tell you why. When I research these secret societies, and I research the Bible, and by the way, I'm a Christian, so if you're a Christian, don't think I'm knocking your religion, I'm not. I'm just telling you what I found. I have found that at the very heart and core of all these secret societies lurks the Kabbalah. The Kabbalah is the ancient Jewish mysticism. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.